This is Turn on the Jets Film Room, your weekly extensive breakdown of New York Jets X's and O's. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Blewett. Stop route in the middle, curl. I'd actually like to start from Dom. Maybe I want to see him get rid of the ball a little bit sooner as he sees the soft coverage, but I like how he leads him outside. Great freaking snag. That's a snag, man. And former Texas Tech All-American, current Arena League coach, and the hero of the Monday Night Miracle, Marcus, Marcus Coleman. Coleman. That is again by Coleman. You got to hand it to Marcus Coleman. He made the play earlier. There to pick it off in front of Gadsden, and then he read the eyes of the quarterback here. That interception is his third of the game, and that ties a Jets team mark. On Turn on the Jets Digital. And you are listening to another edition, the 26th edition of TOJ Film Room. Uh, we're going to get into some offseason stuff. Obviously, we have some news with the Nunwa. We have some news with the coaching search, uh, with Mike McCagman staying. Uh, we have to talk about the Patriots game, unfortunately. Uh, we are talking some college. Me and Marcus had some or had an interesting discussion before the show about some college uh, Guys who are coming out, some top guys, and um, I think we're going to have an interesting couple months talking about some some college players because the way we're already getting into it after two days of the offseason is pretty uh, pretty interesting. Um, we're going to have some hot takes that maybe aren't such hot takes about guys like uh, Nick Bosa, huh, Marcus? Yeah. <laughs> so, how's everything with you? It's going good, man. So, finally recovered from New Year. Happy New Year, by the way. To you, too. Yeah. Um, it's a big, it's a big day where you change the eight to a nine. Uh, really exciting, but I'm kidding. It's uh, we had some stupid people doing some stupid stuff on that night uh, at work, but it's you know it's it's good. Start off a new year. Uh, hopefully for those people who set those uh, New Year's resolutions or whatever, you actually follow them going to the gym. The only thing, the only problem after New Year's is going to the gym when there's like forty seven thousand people who weren't there oh, no. two weeks ago, and then they don't they they don't leave their they, they don't pick up their towels, they don't clean off the machines or the weights, so they don't put them back right. It's just a pain in the ass. So yeah, just if you're like going to the gym, please be uh, responsible. I would appreciate it. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, just just give it two weeks. It'll be back to normal. Yeah, you know, I know. like their first week or so everybody's there and then maybe like the, yeah like into the second week third week fourth week it starts tapering off and it goes back to normal uh-huh um <laughs> but the usual stuff and hopefully for one of those people you continue with the gym but just you know put the dumbbells back where they're supposed to be that's all i ask one time uh toj film rooms on itunes toj space film space room uh youtube you know where to find us uh good amount of listens and and um views last week so we appreciate that and hopefully we uh keep that trend going upward especially with the offseason coming with the jets with a whole bunch of money um the jets inevitably having to hire a new coach new offensive coordinator new defensive coordinator etc um you know to our belief at least um so we're gonna have some fun um so find us on youtube that's where you can really see us breaking down the film and all that stuff uh twitter i'm at joe rb 31 where i'm going to be posting like i said now i'll be posting the individual player reviews of college guys uh doing levy on bell soon as soon as the coaching stuff kind of uh fizzles down a little bit um so to get some attention uh, but i'll be posting individual plays and talking about strengths weaknesses listing them and then we'll be doing breakdowns on the show as well so make sure you follow me there and then marcus is at patch mc 42 um and basically when there's football on he'll be tweeting something about a coach or a player or something like that so if you're interested in some marcus's opinions on college follow him there yep. um and 
we got a review last week. I didn't even notice. I don't know why I have the Packers game still up here, but uh, I didn't notice it from Zach 9876543211. I guess <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, says he loves tuning in, loves the analysis, and he says breakdown is super helpful in understanding what's happening on the field. So we appreciate that. Um, and if you can, like I said, it helps us much more than you know. It's leave a review, so please do that. Uh, but now we're going to get in before we get to the other topics. We're going to close out the Jets 2018. Um, season with the embarrassing loss on the road, uh, 38 to three against the Patriots. Kind of knew that was going to happen. I hope that me and Marcus both predicted the Jets were going to score a little bit more, but the offense was just abysmal for many, many reasons. Um, like I said, it's a positive that the season ended. Uh, it's the last time in these jerseys and with the white jerseys and the in the pickle pants. Hopefully, because the Jets are getting new jerseys, you know, uh, revealed in 2019 in April, I believe it is. So that's that's going to be fun to see. Um, last game coached by Bulls, so yeah. Not if it looks like though that the picture that I saw. What picture the, uh, did you see? The um, it was similar to the Oregon uniforms with those oh those no. Frankenstein numbers or no. whatever it is. No, that's that's no way. Um, what I think is gonna I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think they're gonna they're gonna throw some more gray or some more black in in the in the uniform. Uh, maybe. From what I've been hearing, it's going to be like a darker Kelly green type of type of look. But I think green still be the primary. I don't think it's going to be black with green. I think it's going to be green, maybe with gray or with a little bit of black. But we'll we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be fun to see because the Jets have had the same jerseys for how many years now? Um, a while since what? Probably like wow. yeah, early two thousands. Yeah, because we well we, yeah because we went back to that when we got rid of that other green which i thought was terrible we went back to the old schools in was it 97 or 98 uh i think it was 98 the mm-hmm. second year that bill was there then we switched back this one we went back to the you know the white kind of old school looking with yeah. the and everything yeah so so yeah, it's been a while so we'll, we'll see what they do uh hopefully it's not just atrocious actually the jets uniforms that they had they looked pretty clean for the most part uh recently but it's time for a change i think um but we'll see that like i said that's that's in april uh like i said got a lot of exciting things coming up in the next couple months like usually off season is dead but the jets always figure out a way to make it interesting because like this this whole month january it's going to be coaching and all that stuff february is like free agency preview uh march is all free agency uh, and then you have obviously the draft is all April, and then a little bit after April because it's the end of April, and then you get into May, and then you start having uh, workouts and things like that. So we'll take you through the offseason. It's going to be pretty fun. But let's get into the um, the duds from this game that was just absolutely terrible in many ways. We're not going to spend too too long on it because I just can't uh, bear it anymore. And especially like we're talking about watching college film, and I'm watching guys like Bosa, and I'm watching guys like Josh Allen and stuff like that, and I have to go turn on the Jets game and watch them get blown out on the road. Uh, doing the last game of the year, it's it's pretty rough. But, of course, we're going to uh, provide you with the film because we are TOJ Film Room. So, third dud of the game for me, um, Rashad Robinson. Uh, he got beat up really, really badly this game. And uh, he's a guy who I've said before, He's a guy, I think he has really, really inter- interesting athletic traits. But in terms of um, his technique, he's he's really, really poor in it. Uh, he's at the top of the screen right here. Um, and let's see what kind of look it is. It, it's, it looks like just a cover, it cover one, um, at least to, to my knowledge, but it looks like in, at least he's, he's matched up on this guy. Like I said, watching this film, I was just like, uh, but so 
he's playing with inside leverage. That's I think that's okay. One, he does that little jump split right there, and he's on his he's on his heels, which we we both don't like. Obviously, he gets like one almost shuffle in, but he opens his hips up immediately. Right. Uh, starts the run, and he's never going to get back on this route. But what I talk about, like when I say his athleticism, he actually cuts back pretty well here. Um, but he just has bad techniques, so he's not able to recover fully. Yeah. I mean, there's, if you're not going to test the guy, don't get up and press. Yeah. I, I mean, you might as well play off at this point. Mm-hmm. And what, I, what I thought it was good, I don't know if you – when um, I'm trying to remember what game it was. Um, I was watching the coach's film room for uh, one of the bowl games. With, you know, it had Herm and Gary Patterson, um, uh, Coach Azio from uh, BC – and they were all saying the same thing. Like, what? Well, there's no point in getting up and pressing if you're not touching the guy. You know, you're you're not playing bump and run. You're playing bump and chase. <laughs> you know, yeah. basically. So yeah. So you know, like to see, like you said, he his leverage is actually good. He, he's splitting, you know, splitting half the distance. You know, we'd rather see, you know, kind of like the four to six inch, you know, read step as opposed to like the the hop, you know, at the line and stick your mm-hmm. hand out. That's what they're there. I mean, and he's long enough to where he can get a hand on the guy, you know, and keep you know, keep pressing them outside, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to play bump and run when you don't test the guy. So that's literally the point of presses to get your hands on them and, <laughs> right. and challenge their stem. And when you just take, when you're just taking that away, there's no point just play off and, and, t- and at least to read the quarterbacks and take your read steps. Um, but you're like playing blind. It just, that's just, it's terrible there, especially when you're opening up your hips right away. It's just, I don't know. Um, here he is again. He is on the top of the screen. This is third and three. And this needs to be the end of, of people playing off and backpedaling on third and three in short yarder situations because people watch us on film. And if I was a coach going against the Jets, obviously I would get eaten alive coaching the NFL. But on almost every single third down play, um, I'm, running, I'm running hitches or curls or comebacks because there's, the Jets just never play up on it. And here's another example of that. Yeah, and, that, and logically it, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, if you were – it just doesn't. Now, for Claiborne at the bottom, I mean, you can get – I can understand that, that you know, being off a little bit just because of the set, you know, the formation. But if you're on the single side, dude, you got to press. You don't have a choice, especially mm-hmm. on third and three, you know, third and three. Anything third and three to five, you need to be up pressing. Anything five, you know, and greater, you know, five and longer, then you can play off and, and give yourself a little bit more room. But, but yeah, I mean, this, this you know, this easy pitch and catch, especially when we're talking about Tom Brady and and – you know, the water boy wide receivers that they, you know, that they put out there. Anybody can, can make this throw and catch. You know, it's easy. Yeah, and it and it just it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Even if you are playing off, one don't open your hips like that. And at least like if you're gonna play off and you're like confident enough in your athletic skills, take read steps as soon as you see that that drop from Brady, one, two, three, plant and, and he hitches right towards you, then you can drive. That that would be your read steps. Now you drive and he's driving here and then he can break it up instead of reacting as he turns around you know so it's just it's it's bad technique all around from from robinson i have another one um from him and he's might be a guy who's not on the team next year so i don't want to like i'm not going to just go over all of his bad film but i just try at least a little bit of it because uh he played really really poorly and they targeted him over and over and over and over again and another one right here he's on the top of the screen and he doesn't even know the ball is is coming to this receiver until it's almost to him. All he right. has to do is either take his steps and, and notice the, that Brady is taking literally a one-step drop. He's just turning and throwing the ball immediately, and he's still backpedaling. You're backpedaling, yeah. opening up right that right away. Not opening up, but as soon as you backpedal, you're not taking steps. Um, this is what happens. Then he 
he misses a tackle as well, which is great. Yeah, it's bad. And that's a combination of a couple of things where you miss a tackle. One, you're staring at Brady, then you're trying to find the ball, then you're trying to find the receiver, and by the time all of that happens, then you got to come up and make the tackle. And, you know, you're not – you don't have – your body position is all out of whack. He's lunging, you know. You know it's like it, his feet are not under him. Yeah, he's not set, and, you know, it just – it turns into – you know, even though those things sound small, all those things add up to, you know, either missing a tackle or being late on the throws. That's why you have to constantly work on, on doing all those little things from the beginning. So even if they do make the catch, you can be in a position to make a good tackle. So, but Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, but in man, I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I can't tell if they're in man or if they're in three. I mean, even looking at Buster's screen, they look like they're probably playing three. But if you're playing three still to the single side, mm-hmm. you're basically in man. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, yeah. You know, so especially when you don't have a number two threat, I mean, you're basically a man. So you have to, you, you have, to, you know, you have to play it that way as well. Yeah, at least take the retips and the fact that, like, one, he he's not playing a really athletic stance at all. Um, he's pre- he's pretty up high. His feet are crossing over each other. Uh, just everything about this is 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 really bad for him. Um, doesn't close the distance. Uh, you see his feet not falling under him with a tackle. It's just he's. He's pretty disappointed at this point. The Jets actually did trade a fifth-round pick for him, and people killed McCagnan for that. I, I didn't really care. It was not a, a terrible move because he had some you know interesting athletic traits. He was a starter with San Francisco, um, and then he eventually you know uh, didn't crack the starting lineup like after week five or six and just traded for him, which you know it's, it's an okay move, but uh, he's always had that athletic stuff, but people say he doesn't, he doesn't put the work in the film room. He doesn't put the work in with his technique, and that's why he's probably never going to be a – um, you know, a, a true like role player on a team because you need that dedication, Marcus. I'm sure you know. Um, you probably won't mention any names, but of guys who had plenty of athletic ability, but who didn't put the time in in the film room, didn't have the right. dedication, and didn't make it. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of guys out there like that. They have all the tools, but like you said, they don't put the work in. So they either just kind of hang around, and and you know, they they're usually special teams guys, or you know second or third on the depth chart. And then, like you said, some just don't even make it at all. They fizzle you know? out during yeah. frequency for a while. They might get signed to practice squad or, you know, to a, to a, the 90 man roster, get cut. It's just, you don't want to live that life. But if you, it's, it's, the NFL is about freaking film and, and really that dedication. That's like 95% of it. Everybody in the NFL is ridiculous athletes. Yep. Um, so you have to be able to put that, that extra work in the film room and technique and things like that. Um, number two dud of the game was the, 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 rush, the running offense was, was terrible. I have it somewhere in here. I don't know exactly. Where, I, I forget it right. But it actually had a, a decent yard per carry because of some big runs. Um, but overall, you know, being consistent with the run, it was pretty bad. Uh, Brian Winters, I, I saw you. I don't know. I don't know if Kyle Fahey saw it, but you tweeted him like, uh, you know, some guys like that you want to replace in the offensive line. And he said like, oh, I want to replace Brian Winters sooner. You mean like soon, like tomorrow? Oh yeah, <laughs> something like that. I think it was Brian Winters you were talking about. But uh, yeah. <laughs> dude, these guys' technique is just so okay. I, I don't, I don't, I don't get why on an inside zone split, Brian Winters is coming out this wide. Why right. is like, dude, explode through your lower body, link it to your upper body, 
hit the guy in the freaking chest, in the chest, and drive him. You're never going to beat defensive linemen when you're coming out that wide. Your feet are not under you. You're not driving your feet at all. You're basically splitting from from the from the snap and just and just trying to just stand like what are you going to stand him up without driving your feet and coming out that wide? That's terrible technique from Brian Winters. He gets shed easily, and and McGuire has absolutely no shot to really do anything unless he wants to try to bounce that out and beat number twenty seven right there. Right. Um, so Winters has been the the entire offensive line. I don't care what you, it it's bad. We we know this. We've been watching the film for seventeen weeks. It's bad. Yeah, no, it is, and it all comes down to you know these you know these technique issues, and and, and I don't care what position you play. You always have to play you know with a much narrow stance than what especially you know than what uh, Winters does. You know has been doing all year, and um, you know because you you have no power, you have no leverage, you have nothing. It's particularly if you're trying to run you know, run zone plays or things like that, you know, you, you just, you can't get away with it. And, and this is what happened all year. So I, I don't and I know it's impossible to overhaul an entire offensive line. I don't know if you necessarily keep him, you know, if he's one of the guys that you, you know, you hold on to until you can fill that spot, you know, maybe, you know, next year, uh, yeah. just a year after that, I should say, but the technique's got to get a lot better. You know, I don't know. And, and hopefully whoever the old line coaches that they bring, you know, they bring in, you know, works, you know, works with these guys and, you know, we see that technique. It's going to be a new one. I, I pray because it's just the technique that we see week, you know, to a week to week basis is just uh, extremely bad. It's not even inconsistent. It's just bad. Uh, and this one, again, I don't know who I, who I pegged here. Oh, well, um, one, it's a, let's say it's like another, it's, I, I don't think they're really reading that. Maybe they could be reading uh, that that number ninety five right there, but I don't really think so. I think mm-hmm. it's a, it's more of a misdirection. Uh, it's like an inside zone, and yeah, this is so. I remember watching this. Look at Kelvin Beach. I'm trying to run block, dude. Like, what is that? Yeah. How are you ever going to block a guy? Look at that one. Look at the gap in the B gap, and you're completely closing off your hips to 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 guard that and to guard that B gap and have that lateral quickness to get in there if he tro- does try to shoot that in that that B gap and you're, you know to cross your face. So what are you doing? Like this this uh, man, I don't know. Especially on an inside zone play, at least it looks like an inside zone play with some misdirection. Mm-hmm. If anything, the aiming point is the A or a, the A or B gap. You just want to kick him out or just or just like kind of seal him to to the to the uh, backside of the play, not backside or whatever you want to call it. You just want to seal him outside. Um, and this is how you're going to do it. Like, man, go, Marcus, what do you, what do you think? It's just, it's, it's more of the same. Yeah, it's more of the same. I mean, it really is more of the same. And I know we've been saying it every weekend because that's what it's been every weekend. I mean, it, and it hasn't changed, you know, the, the technique hasn't changed. Obviously the result hasn't changed. Um, you know, and this isn't going to get it done. I mean, this is, I mean, I know, I know that the Patriots, I mean, I get it. And, you know, they study a lot of film and, you know, Bill and, and Coach Flores always have, you know, they have those guys dialed up, you know, pretty good. But if you plan on Darnold surviving, you know, the next how many years that you want him to be the franchise quarterback, 30, the line, yeah, the, the old line has has improved. I mean, this is, I mean, this is unacceptable. I mean, it just is, and it has been all year. Yeah, good job by Ken. So I give him some props for this that, that hard cut outside, and he and he gets away from that. So good job by him. Uh, he gets a stiff arm too, which he picks up another three yards from it. He, he rides that stiff arm, actually, like almost four yards. So good job by him. But that technique, man, just get, get get your hips square and eat up that space and just and just seal them to the outside or kick them out if you can if you can. 
Um, but do something. Don't let him shoot cross across your face in an inside zone into the B gap. Like that's just it's really bad. Um, yeah, that's really bad. Yeah. So and then my number one, I gave it to the entire defense. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we obviously picked out some uh, like individual players, but the miscommunications that we're seeing, it's I'm so glad there's a new coach coming here, and maybe a guy like uh like and we have this, we'll we'll talk about some of these guys. I'm sure you have some more knowledge than I do with some of these guys. At least uh, you're around those circles and you you're you have knowledge. Um, but maybe a guy like Bienemy, who's who's not going to take any crap, who's going to get in your face and scream at you if he sees these things. Now I have some right. questions about him. Obviously, there are some questions. He's never called an offense. Uh, he's a running backs coach. He's a rah-rah guy. Is that going to work? I don't know. But we'll talk about that. Um, and, again, look at, look at the bottom of the screen here. The Jets are running uh, cover one, um, or at least what looks to be a co- or maybe a cover one hole. Um, and there's a miscommunication. And you, you see Derek Jones and freaking Avery Williamson, like, yelling at each other before the snaps, not knowing where anything's going. Avery Williamson's not set, not in an athletic stance. Right. Uh, doesn't have good leverage. And Be- Burkhead, he well, he opens his hits right away because he's not in good leverage. Burkhead right, runs right by him. Boom, easy touchdown. Like, it's – what's happening here? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. What, I mean, I understand, <laughs> you know, switching them having to get lined up and everything, but he's supposed to know who he's covering. I mean, but they, I mean, but either way, both of these guys, you know, the technique's bad. You're, you know, you're playing trail. I know you got, you know, you got the safety in the hole. If that's the case, you know, one, you should be outside, especially if you're, you know, if you're covering an inside receiver. But I mean, but this, this isn't, I I guess I wasn't surprised, you know, watching this just because it's been happening all year. The miss, you know, the miscommunications or the blown coverages, you know, to go along with, you know, kind of the bad technique. It's just been, you know, it's kind of been a reoccurring thing, you know, all you know, all year. And I understand you're in the red zone and you can play it a little bit tighter. You don't have to play so, you know, too much on top, but you still want to be in a good position, you know, the way you can cover. But this, I mean, but you got to be ready, you know, ready at the snap. Everybody needs to know where they're lined up. Mm-hmm. They are, they only play, you know, just from watching the film, you know, all year, we see they only play so many coverages. So, you know, yeah, we're talking play about, a ton. yeah, we're talking about the last week of the season. You know, you should, this should be easy. You should have this down pat. Yeah, um, and when on this play, when you have – well, I, see, this is like Brady doesn't really miss these throws. Um, he didn't used to, uh, and he just sailed in this ball, which uh, Hogan yeah. has ten, literally 10 yards around him from every single side. I know. Maybe even 15. Uh, and you had Jamal Adams and, and uh, Rashad Robinson after this play, like, kind of pointing at each other here. Um, who do you put on this? Because this, this is this is cover four, um, and you have Jamal. You have you have the number two and the number one. The number two, which is Gronkowski, is releasing to Adams, and he and he releases past that like ten to tw- ten, you know ten to twelve yard range where you start to match. Um, so you, you put this more on Adams because I think Adams is supposed to take Gronk. Yeah. So yeah. So no. It's on. Yeah. Um, no. It's on. It's on. Jamal. Robinson. No. It's on Jamal. If you if they're running the switch, no matter how deep it is, it's similar to like. It's no different if you're playing cover if you were playing three in your corner. So if you got two so, to your side, and usually if it's like an inline tight end, or even if you got like a slot or whatever it is, if you get you know if you get scissors or whatever it is, regardless of the depth, the corner still has to take the sell route. You know you you got somebody dropping underneath it, but the corner still got to take it and you pass it to the safety. In quarters, it's no different. That's why both of them need to be one. The corner needs to be a little deeper and be square. Jamal needs to be square. And you got to play, you got to play the routes out as they go. 
So, so it's like an automatic. So, I don't know if you. I don't know if you refer to this as like a, like an automatic Zaro call. Uh, like Zaro, you're expecting a, a uh, not a divide, but a uh, on my blank like a like a switch concept uh, in Cover mm-hmm. Four. It's like an automatic Zaro, like where yeah, it's, yeah, it's built in. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. that's the purpose. Of, yeah, that's kind of the purpose of quarters. Like, okay, if you get something super short, the linebackers are taken. But anything, um, and if you got you know a single receiver, obviously, if he runs anything like a, a you know a post or a deep dig, you know the safety takes him and the corner falls off. But if you got two, now you're playing. Now you're just playing a Zaro. You're just playing like a deep, you know, a, a deeper in and out. You know, mm-hmm. the guy. So when they switch, the corner takes the seven. Jamal Jamal Adams is supposed to take that post route, and, and that's how you cover it. So yeah, yeah. this is this is yeah, this is on Jamal Adams. Yeah, he had a uh, couple of bad plays this this game actually, and he's like he's more quiet the last couple of weeks. Um, but you'll you'll see later later in the show. I'll, some of the plays I'll I'll show. Uh, I got two more plays of the blown defenses. I just put Buster screen. I don't know what I what is on this play because, like I said, the film I just recorded. I was like, oh, bring that up in the show. Um, <laughs> Buster screen. Let's see here. Oh, top of the screen. Okay. Top of the screen. So, yeah. uh, man, um, he gets burned there. Uh, well, he doesn't actually. He doesn't get burned because he has athletic ability. Um, but because he has to, he's playing so far inside and they have to do the head whip, he's not in position to, to play that, uh, that stop. But it's because of the bad technique um, from the jump right here. Um, yeah. So here, I'll play, it, I'll play it again, and you can take us through this, uh, this play if you want, Marcus. Yeah, well, one, I mean, he gets up. He, <clears throat> he's literally kind of not set because he's standing around. Um, then he's shuffling as opposed to pelling. Now, when you, and here's the problem with shuffling as well. When you shuffle and a guy takes off, so you get that initial move, like your natural reaction is obviously you're going to, you know, you know, you're going to break on the route. I jump the route. If you're in more of a pedal and you're, you know, if you do the pedal like you're supposed to, where you, you know, you slowly gradually, you know, speed up as you're pedaling, even if you break down on the guy, you put yourself in a position to where if he comes back up now, you know, you want the, the receiver to basically run into you and you use his momentum to carry you through, you know, if he's running the go route or anything like that. So, you know, that's, you know, that's part of the problem. And obviously, breaking on the throw, he's looking at the quarterback as opposed to mm-hmm. you're supposed to look at the man first. Then you look back at the quarterback. You got to get to the man before you start breaking on the rock, you know, especially when you're getting this far off. So the, the technique is just, I mean, it's bad all the way around. You know, and he's all over the place. He's flailing, you know. It's, <laughs> you know it's, Shocking. It's, yeah. Shocking. Shocking, um, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's see another one. Uh, this is the last one of the blown defenses. Then we'll talk about the, the positives and, like, I – I reached on the third positive, to be honest. Um, and here you have Julian Edelman running absolutely wide open for a touchdown um, because of a what looks obviously it's a miscommunication. Uh, Buster Screen pressed him at the line. He's expecting help from the inside, I guess, from Hewitt. Uh, Hewitt doesn't pick him up because I, I guess he as uh, it looks like you almost have two guys. You almost have you. It, Three guys, or actually, let's let's see. So it looks like uh, who's who's that slot right there? Derek Jones is in man, and as that receiver comes off, he's, he wants to pass it off, but then he still follows, and then Hewitt thinks he has him too, and then you have uh, forty-five breaking out that way too. So you have like three guys on the same guy in the same right. zone, and nobody on the inside. So this is another thing where emotion just completely screwed up the Jets' defense, which cannot happen in Week Seventeen. Even though the Jets did play the young guys, but dude, you gotta you gotta know better that somebody's gotta pick them up on the inside. Yeah, but I would I would think, and I'm trying to. I mean, honestly, I don't know. I'm, if I'm looking at it, I would assume okay, since you know, you you if you're pressing the point, 
obviously you take the end line, you know, the, the, the guy that's on the line. So that would be Buster Screen taking him. Mm-hmm. You play in and out on Grunk with Grunk and I'm assuming that's Hogan. And they just get it all messed up. Like everybody, yeah, this is – and then I don't even know what 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 the other two guys, they're all chasing – yeah, everybody's chasing chasing this other wide receiver down here at the bottom. I, I don't know. I it's hard to tell what defense is when it's a blown defense. It really – it's almost impossible. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really hard to tell. I yeah, because they – and they play it different ways, so you never you never know. And that, that's another thing that that you know that the Jets did a lot this this year. When they did blow coverages, they played it. They would blow it, I guess, in so many different ways. You you really couldn't tell what they were supposed to be, you know, trying to do. That's why we spend a lot of time trying to figure out what coverage they're in. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but and yeah, it's, and it's funny yeah. too. This is I think this is a tweet after where I was just like so bored. And, like, of watching this game, I was like, the Jets invented a new way of playing cover zero and, like, a stupid, like, smiling face. Like, <laughs> you're like, what, dude? Like, I know you're probably like, dude, shut up. But uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I had to entertain myself somehow, dude. It's, it's, just watching this over and over and over again, it's it's almost numbing. Like, I'm numb to this at this point. So, I, But now if they come in with a new coach next year, they have some problems miscommunications. Okay, it's a new coach. I don't love it, but I get it. But if it continues on, you want to see that ironed out in the first couple of weeks. But if that continues on and on and on and on, I have to watch this for the rest of my life. Um, I, I can't. Uh, so moving on to my third stud of the game. Um, like I said, I reached. I'm not even going to say he's a stud. I'm actually just going to give two. But um, the third one, I'll give it to Adams. And I guess it's just because of the the way he played with the mindset and stuff like that. But um, there's definitely some some bad things. I'm going to show the bad things first because uh, he struggled a little bit the game. We just talked about the cover four before. Um, and we'll show – this is him on – yeah, this is, a, this is a player where he's in man on Gronk. Oh, I started a little bit late. So, uh, it's – he makes a tackle after, but I don't, I don't love his technique right here. Um, one, if he is in man, I don't, I don't like him playing one off and inside because with Gronk and like those guys, like at least from – when I see guys have success against bigger guys, it's when you actually get to them on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. You don't want to build up that momentum. Um, he's a little bit hoppy too here. Um, and Gronk cuts outside for pretty much an easy catch. He's pretty much giving it to him. So I don't like his technique from the jumper here. I think that's why he gets a pretty easy catch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's yeah he's too far inside on this. If, he, if you do want to hold some kind of inside leverage, you know, play more head up. You know, I guess split yeah. the difference of the man. You know, split the difference of Gronk. Yeah, he doesn't have to play this far inside on Gronk. He doesn't run great uh, routes. Like, look at that route from Gronk. Like, it's no, not... Grunk, Grunk never. He, Gronk never runs good routes. Yeah, I understand why everybody says you know, pe- well, other people I should say thinks that he's this great route runner. He's not. I mean, mm. he runs routes. To, he's <laughs> massive. Yeah, he's just a big dude, and he's got some athletic ability, so he gets away with it. Um, but yeah, he doesn't, and especially the speed that Jamal Adams has. And I know Gronk can run, but. Grunk can't run. Grunk isn't faster, you know, isn't faster than Adams. No, so, not even close. So, yeah, just so just be in the slow pedal. I mean, you're gonna catch him either way, you know, just because you know your speed. So, you know, do that. And I would say also while you're breaking on the route, don't be staring back at Brady while you're breaking on the route. You mm-hmm. know, trying to cover Grunk. <laughs> so, I mean, like you said, he ends up making the tackle, but that's because of what, you know what I just said. He's he's faster than Grunk, so he you know he's able to get back. He's a lot faster than Gronk. So the fact that he's like that he's like opening up until almost like a like a shuffle, um, like expecting him to take him deep. Just if he takes you deep, just reco- you can recover. Like you could play almost like in a in a trail versus him because he's a lot more athletic than Gronk. 
um, in terms of like, you know, in, in terms of speed and things like that. So playing inside and kind of opening up, just allowing him to have that outside. I didn't, I didn't, and we talk about his coverage. People say he's like, oh, he's fantastic in coverage. He's, he's, he's decent to solid in coverage. He still has a lot of work in coverage. He's great in the run game for the most part. Um, but he did make the all-pro team, him and Eddie Jackson. So congrats to him. That's, that's pretty cool in the second year to make the all-pro team. Yeah. Um, but I have two more plays of the bad from, from him, uh, just so people can see. And we're going to be honest in our assessment. I'm not going to put up all good Jamal Adams film because everybody loves Jamal Adams. Um, so I labeled this as cover three buzz. Uh, let's look at what happens. Um, cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say it's, it's, it's cover three buzz cover six. Um, and Joel Adams, so here it like looked like a good play on the t- on TV because he yeah, he ended up he at the end of this right here he ended up like kind of like catching up to I believe it was Edelman right here, um, mm. but I don't love it I don't love the technique right here either. Um, when he's, you see him looking back at Brady and he kind of loses Edelman for a second, that's why he grabs him, which is should, it could have been a pass interference right here. Right. Um, and again, he I think he looks he looks back right here again too, and then he, he loses him as he cuts up field again. So he's had, he has some bad technique here. Yeah, I mean, you definitely you definitely don't want to, especially get somebody like Edelman. Now you're dealing with you know quick versus fast, and I would say Edelman's probably quicker than mm-hmm. you know Jamal Adams is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even if you do have him, you know, obviously you know he's covering him inside. He's got a little bit of deep help, you know, from the corner. Um, so just get in your pedal and then get ready to, you know, get ready to turn and, and just play trail technique. You know, it's no different than if you're playing trail, you know, from the line of scrimmage, you know, or at three yards or whatever it is, you know, just, you know, take your shuffle steps, you know, let the guy come to you and then get ready to turn and run. You know, in here you hop in and you're staring back at Brady. And obviously I don't know why you would stare back at Brady at that point. He's not going to throw the ball with you sitting right on top of Edelman. Uh, you know, you just got to do – he's got to do a better job with his eyes, you know, and with his feet, <clears throat> you know, with his body position and, you know, with covering. And I know it's his second year and, you know, we, he's used to being, you know, down, you know, down in, you know, into the box and that's his mm-hmm. thing. But and, – and he and to give him credit, you know, he still, you know, made the – you know, made the all-pro team and everything. But if he still – you know, if he wants to get better and be a complete safety, he's going to have to work yeah. on the coverage aspect of this game. You could always, yeah, you could always get better. And here, like, it looked like a good play, and you had him, like, kind of, like, doing, oh, like, you didn't catch the ball in the after. But if this is an on-target throw from Brady, uh, this is a catch right here, and he gets beat for 30, 40 yards, and it doesn't look so good because, like you said, that the shuffle, the way he's, the way he's playing it, looks back, uh, doesn't have him, looks back again, loses him again. Like, it's just he has, he has to work on, on that for sure. Um, and then one more play in the run game. We talk about the run game being a little bit too aggressive uh, in the run game at times. This is a terrible angle from him. Uh, he needs to clear up the angles a little bit at times. I uh, see him right here in the middle of the field. You'll you'll see um, th- that can't happen um, in, in in the run game where it's almost like you have a uh, eye formation with the fullback, you know, offset to the left right here uh, to where Gronk is, and he cr- he's crossing the formation. So it's almost it's like a lead like a lead zone, or actually it's like they're almost like that's like, it's more of like a power. Yeah, um, yeah, power. So I didn't see that. I didn't see that guard pulling them and then wedge block uh, on the right side, and he cuts up Jamal Adams. He comes in way too uncontrolled right here. He, I think, he loses the running back as well, but he needs to come in more control right there. Uh, you know, kind of like with those like hot feet uh, in a shuffle, but he over pursues and then gets beat pretty badly. Looks pretty stupid. Yeah, I mean, he's just got to slow down, and he's got to remember he he's not going to make. And this is the thing with him being over aggressive. 
especially being that far back, you know, having that mm-hmm. depth, he's not going to make the tackle at the line of scrimmage. He's just not. So you want to be slow, make sure you see you can find the running back, and he needs to be more inside out, actually where the yeah. you know where the where the running back comes back. You know, that's that's his spot, you know, but he's over you know, he gets over too fast, he's over the top, and the cutback is there now, you know, because of that. Yeah, like you said, you wanna have him like in you know you wanna see him closing that ground with his hips square, eating up that ground. Um there's cluster over by that, you know, that that B C gap. Um so if he if he does cut outside, then you have a safety there to take it, or you can or you can make up ground and tackle him. But you have to, like you said, play inside out here, um, and he over pursues and gets beat, you know, badly here. Um, but from the good from the game, and I talk about the good, it's 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 the mindset that that the dude has. You and you said you know after the game, and not, I'm sure you agree with. You came out and said we need more dogs in this team. Um, mm-hmm. and I agree with that. It's he's numbers and I come out and say, oh, our team sucks, but he's basically saying we need better players. That's right. Like, we need better players and guys who want to be here, guys who want to are going to play hard. Um, and you you gotta love just even like this play. Um, just taking on on with 46 Devlin right, their fullback. Yeah, uh, taking on Devlin. He's he, one. He's um he's squeezing the run. Or actually, no. Well, I guess actually, technically, that's spilling the run. But you know, uh, White still decides to cut into that gap. Jamal Adams taking on a fullback head on. The fullback has plenty of weight on him, taking him on head on and making a tackle right here. Um, we know he could do this stuff, though. We've talked about this many, yeah. many times. Yeah, this. Yeah, and this is. I mean, part. This is one of the reasons why he made dollar protein. And this is, you know, this part of his game. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really, you know, have a whole lot, you know, improvement to do because he's good at that. Because of, he's aggressive. Because he doesn't mind contact, you know, he, he goes in. He usually, you know, when he is, you know, playing blocks, he usually plays them the right way or mm-hmm. uses moves to get around them. You know, this is, you know, what we expect from him. He's been doing this since he's been there. Yeah, lowering the shoulder, lessening his body, getting low, uh, you know, still being able to just kind of like fall into that tackle. That's stuff you like to see. I got a couple more plays of, of, uh, of him and some of that aggressiveness that we all like to see. Um, and then, you know, after a couple more things, we'll be done with the Jets 2018 season. We could start talking about college <laughs> films like that. Thank God. Um, because this just let's let's see what this one is. Um, yeah, this is like the, he just has like a like a just a great understanding of the game, like what he has to do. And maybe his responsibility was that edge anyway. But the way he's timing that snaps gets in the backfield, makes a tackle. I believe this was oh, his second. Yeah, second and one. It says it right there. Yeah, uh, that's. That's awesome. That's that's really the only the only way you can say that. Yeah, I mean, and that's good instincts and good awareness, and that's mm-hmm. you know a good job. Obviously, you know he's paying attention to the film. snap count. You know, you know, watching the film. Yeah, and then yeah. also when you're in the game, you know, he's paying attention to the snap count, seeing you know kind of you know how Brady's uh, you know calling it out before you know before he snaps the ball, and he times it up. You know, he times it up well. You know, and he becomes an extra guy to, to come in and and make that play. That's mm-hmm. a great job, Bob. Yeah. Okay. Three more plays. Uh, let's see. This is the, let's see, cover three I got on this one. So uh, this one, like it was, I don't know. I want your opinion on this. It was kind of good and bad. He rallies and makes a tackle right here on the bottom of the screen. Uh, mm-hmm. This looks to, this looks like cover three to, um, to me at least. And you just have the, the corner on the top right there. Um, right. Yeah. I would say it's cover three. Um, and Jamal Adams, he has that curl to flat uh, at least yeah, that's he definitely has a curl to flat, and then you have Jones just dropping back right there. They almost like they they switch a little bit, but not really because Jones always has that deep third. And then Jamal Adams, you just see the speed right here where he breaks in that ball and makes a pretty hard hit. So uh, maybe you'd like to see him play 
um, kind of more true to his zone in the curl to flat. But overall, what do you think? I mean, yeah, he rallies and makes the play. I mean, you, you just you never want to get out leveraged by the you know by that flat guy. You yeah. Know, if, you're the, if you're the <clears throat> if you're the flat curl player in, in cover three, you know that that would be the only thing that I would say. Um, you know, just he needs to make sure that he sees you know the back coming out. And I know he comes out, he sneaks out a little bit late, and he sneaks out over the top. But you still got to make sure that you never get out leveraged by you know by that that second man coming through. Because here's the thing: what if um and the reason why is because even though he's flipping out like this, now if Jamal Adams is breaking down, what if he just keeps going on the wheel route? Okay, yeah. that's, Jamal, that's Jamal Adams' man. Because mm-hmm. you're going to man through. So that's why you got to make sure you're careful, you know, playing, the, playing it this way, I would say, you know, because of, a, one, you don't want to get out leverage, and two, I mean, if you get the wheel route or something like that, you know, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to carry it take it. Yeah, it's like good on the athleticism, but the technique of like, like you said, getting out flanked, which you never want to do when you're, that's your responsibility, that curl to flat. Right. Um, so it's a good end, end bad, or it's like, like I said, a little bit of technique. Um, I have two more plays. The one play is just him blowing up. Uh, what's the center's name? Dave Andrews, is that his name? Um, but again, on this play, and this is actually a good play from, from uh, I believe it was, was it Leo too? No, this wasn't the, the one where it's from Leo. Actually, Leo does a, do a good yeah, job right there. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Double versus the double, yeah. Yeah, for sure he does a good job, actually. But um, Joel Adams, dude, there's, there's some times like Joel and, Julian Edelman's pretty much a t- I think he's a t- pretty tough player. Um, and no, it's not like because like the freaking things on like you see on NFL.com. Anytime, anytime you're talking like a small white slot receiver who goes over the middle, <laughs> he's really tough. Edelman's actually pretty tough. Yeah. But there's some times yeah. where he's running on the sideline this game and he just went out of bounds because he saw Jamal Adams coming. Where Julian Edelman will usually lower his helmet and try to get some more extra yards. Um, but it's because of plays like this where he's coming in the crack Jamal Adams and Jamal Adams just lights him up and he gets in on the tackle. So, uh, like to see this, especially like guys who are like really cocky, like like Edelman. So I I like to see this from Adams. Good play yeah. by Leo too. Yeah, that's that's how you got to play it. He's expecting a crack. Just you know plays it well. You know he's physical with the wideout. And and here's the thing, with the exception of maybe Edelman, most wide receivers don't want to come down and do this. <laughs> so you know, he's one of the few guys that you know is actually pretty good at doing that. So but you know good awareness by Jamal Adams seeing the crack, being physical against it. Uh, you know, I'm playing it so he can get in on the tackle. I mean, that's that's really how you want to play it. Yeah, Edelman's definitely a great uh, blocker. Uh, Jarvis Landry, um, Brandon Marshall, when he was in his prime, was really good. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins will toss you too. Mike Evans, but there's not a lot of like like you said. Mo- I'm gonna say 95% of receivers do not want to to block safeties or linebackers on cracks or anything like that. Nope. Um, and this is the reason why you get lit up like that. And maybe the next time you're going over the middle, you think about Jamal Adams a little bit more. Um, so it's a tone setter. Like I said, great job by Leonard Williams, you know, anchoring down right there, dropping his weight, um, shedding 61, just literally just tossing 61, which is, I believe it's cannon. Uh, yeah. So good play by him, um, which makes, you know, Burkhead cut to the outside more and then allows Jamal Adams and Williams to make the cut. So uh, one more play. And did you, I don't know if you saw this play, uh, but the play where he, and there's a better view of it, but I could not get it. But the, the play where he just absolutely just destroyed, uh, or maybe I did get a good view of it, uh, where he just destroys Andrews here. <laughs> that is that is fun to watch. Um, a 220 pound safety lighting up a 300 pound center like that. Um, he didn't even make the play, but that's something I. That's this is probably my favorite player from the game. So. Yeah, I mean, you like the physical part of it, obviously. You yeah, know, minus, you know, it's, not, it's a three, four, five-yard gain, whatever it is. Um, or actually, yeah, three, four, five-yard gain. Um, but seeing a 300-pound center literally get airborne <laughs> from a safety, that's that's always yeah. good. Yeah, you, 
Yeah, and especially and old linemen don't like that, especially from little guys getting put on the ass like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's why people don't remember remember his name. And I'm sure like offensive linemen. I'm sure like NFL locker just like just like high school locker rooms or whatever. You get you get lit up on a film like that. Like people are either gonna take pictures. Like there's probably gonna be a lot a picture on his locker like this or mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> like, there's gonna be something <laughs> yeah. true with them. Um, or they're just gonna walk into the film room. And that's just gonna be on. Um, so. He'll get he'll get crapped on for that. So that's nice to see. Um, second set of the game, I put I put Leo six tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, one quarterback hit. I only have one other player from him. We just saw the really good double team. There's a couple other plays, but let's be honest. At this point um, in this season, oh, you know what I forgot to do? People have been asking for uh, me to timestamp stuff, and I completely forgot to do that. So I want to go back. Hold on, give me a moment here. Um, it is four oh six. That sucks. Whatever. So I'll go back. Um, Leonard Williams. Uh, this was one. This is actually a good play of Adams too that I had that I, that I marked it up here. Um, Leonard Williams is on. He is the three. No, that's that's McClendon. He is the. I'd say it's like a six high uh, versus Gronk right here, and Gronk obviously gets him inside, and it's an inside zone with a it's an inside zone split again, um, and. 26 is uh, Michelle. Michelle wants to cut back outside, and he tosses Gronk to the sideline, which he should. It's it's Gronkowski blocking him, but right. I, th- I thought I would I would show nice play by by Leonard Williams. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good play. I mean, he's like you say, he's not overly flashy, and he, you know, he's kind of had the up and down year, and <clears throat> you know, according to everybody else, I mean, I think he's been pretty decent this year. You know, just because mm-hmm. he doesn't have you know a lot of sacks doesn't mean he's productive, and I think the last two plays of that shows that you know you're taking on double teams. Uh, you know, having to anchor down and clog up the holes or, um, you know, you're having to get off different guys in order to get in position and make the tackle. And, and you know, he does a good job of that. You know, like, it's not flashy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, you know, he's not going to get all the praise like everybody else. But because he's in the middle and that style of defense, you know, he, you know, for the most part, you know, he's done his job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said, people think like, oh, well, he's – which he has been disappointing for a six overall pick a little bit, but he, he makes a lot of impact that people don't realize just because he's not on the stat sheet. Right. Um, now, now is another question, do you want to sign him for $16, 17000000 million a year? Yeah, that's a question. We'll get to that when, when, when we do. Um, but to say, he's, he's still an above average, um, you know, defensive end, 3-4 defensive end. He makes a, a big impact. He's just not Fletcher Cox, even Wilkerson when he first started here, even Sheldon Richardson, but he's still really good. Um, and he's a guy yeah. who shuts so for the most part too. So, yeah. I think in a different scheme, I think he'd be better. I think if it's if it's more of a one gap scheme for him, you know, I think he'll be better. You know, and he'll be able to get you know a lot more opportunities to make sacks. You know, get those quarterback pressures, quarterback hurries, uh, you know, knockdowns. You know, things that that you know usually people look at because mm-hmm. those are the first things that people look at when they see D linemen. That's what they're expecting without really understanding you know the scheme of of the defense, you know, they just automatically think they should be getting a bunch of sacks just because he was a first round pick, which isn't always the case. Oh yeah, for for sure. Especially when you're two gapping in a in a three four with not not an edge rusher. It's it's definitely um not an easy thing to do for for Leonard Williams. So moving on to my to my first one. Uh, I only put one play up here. You're gonna see some more of of him. Uh but Deontay Burnett, uh for an undrafted guy to come in his first game uh minus the Chicago game where he got a ton of uh of reps to have five receptions, 73 yards on five targets. Uh, so every single time he's targeted, he caught the ball. Uh, I liked I liked his game. Um, let me see. I think this is the one play where he had a really, really nice route. Yeah, this is the play. He's on the top of the screen here. I really like this route from, from Burnett. 
Um, or, you know, sorry, he's in the slot. So I like the route for, for a few reasons. Um, well, they're stacked right there. It's, it's three by one. You have a stack in the inside. And I like the way that he obviously knows that this cornerback uh, is responsible for me. It's outside leverage. So he, he stem, he, his stem is outside to make that, that corner feel, um, you know, kind of threatened which makes him, you know, almost like weave outside more, kind of actually just shuffle. He doesn't really even weave. He just shuffles outside. Yeah. Uh, as he shuffles outside, he then breaks vertically, which makes the corner uh, flip his hips inside. He looks back to the, to the quarterback, which is bad. Um, but then after he cuts back vertically, then he cuts back on that, on that out route. It's like, a, it's like a hawk concept. I would call that a hawk concept um, where you have that, that outbreak after or that outer, that corner after, you know, 12 to 15, you have that vertical on the sides. That's a hawk to me. People probably call it something different as well. But uh, nice route from him there. Bad play by the corner, but overall it was, it was decent for him or solid for him. Yeah, I mean, even though the, the technique is bad by the corner, he, he set him up. He did a good job mm-hmm. of setting him up. Like you said, he stemmed him out. Then he got back vertical. So now the corner has to make a decision. So now you, you know, you can't just sit on, you know, maybe the corner was looking for, you know, a true deep out from him. You know, it's kind of how he's playing it that way. Then he looks back at the quarterback, and by the time he's doing that, you know, Barnett's breaking out, <clears throat> you know, breaking out on the, the deeper, you know, the deeper cell concept. So, so no, I think, no, I thought it was a great route. You know, I thought he did a good, a good job of setting him up, you know, from the, you know, from the jump, coming out of the stack and, and being able to make that, you know, make that play. Yeah, for sure. And then Darnold makes a, a really nice throw with pressure in his face as well yeah. right here. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> better <laughs> It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, and Burnett makes a nice – I didn't get the other view of it, but you can see right here he makes a t- the toe tapper, one, two, as he's going out of bounds. So, nice catch by him. He high points the ball, good hands, good route. Like, like you know, both of us said, stemming him outside, making the corner um, kind of panic a little bit, and it screws him up. So, if he doesn't stem him outside right there, he just breaks vertically and then runs out. He, the corner probably makes the play right here, but because he made him feel uncomfortable – um, he got that catch. So nice understanding of, of how to get open right there from, from Burnett for sure. Um, yep. Moving on to the – we'll just do the bad from the offense and the defense uh, quickly. And now I'm having to mark everything down as we talk about it because people dem- are demanding timestamps, which I'll give it to them. So um, let's see. Uh, bad from the offense. I put – there's a couple of things. I have three plays from the bad from the offense. Uh, I think Rob Anderson struggled this game um, overall. Uh, and we'll talk about one of his or a couple of his plays um, in terms of his struggles and some of his routes. And we talked about his routes, you know, many times. Uh, you were the person. You, yeah, you actually came on with me to talk about all the receivers and stuff like that before the season, and then we've been, you know, ended up doing the show together. But he's a good deep route runner, but not great underneath. Um, and you can see this play. He just gets squeezed to the sideline so badly right here. Um, and the reason for that is one, he doesn't, he's not really eating up a lot of space. I think his move off the line is pretty lazy right there. You're just getting even and then just just breaking outside. There's no crossover. There's no hop step really. There's no uh, stab. Um, And he gets bowed so far outside. He doesn't hold his line right here because of his strength. And he gets pressed from, he starts at the bottom of the numbers and he gets squeezed all the way to the sideline. Um, Something you do not want to see. No, it's not. I mean, it was a good job by the corner. You know, for those of you that actually want to see bump and run, you know, that's how it's supposed to look. <laughs> you know, stay, yeah. stay in front of the guy, use the offhand, squeeze into the sideline, you know, and, and the play is dead at this point. You know, there's, you know, there's no throw, there's no play. Um, but, you know, he needs to, you know, I think for him, he probably, until he learns how to actually get off the line, you know, he, they probably needed to move him, you know, let him be the Z or let him play a little bit more off the line and have somebody else in line. Yeah. 
you know, just until he, he you know, he works on, on getting off bump and getting off press a little bit more. Because here's the thing, if I'm playing, if I'm playing a guy like Robert Anderson, mm-hmm. I'm pressing him all day. I mean, and oh, that's, 100%. yeah, I mean, because I, one, I know he, you know, laterally he can't beat me off the line and he doesn't have any moves. And two, now I've taken away his best asset, which is this, you know, his straight line speed down the field. So, you know, that's, you know, that's something that he's going to have to work on, you know, coming into next season. Yeah, because if, if, if you're playing off and you fall for that hesitation, you're pretty much screwed. But if you just press him, if you get, if you get a hand on him and you do some offhand jams and things like that versus him, he's yeah. not going to really get off. He's just not no. strong enough. Um, and if you're, if you're on him at the top of that break, uh, he doesn't have those, the strength to really lean into you and push you off of that, the top of that, that, that route. So um, another guy, I gave one to Herndon. Um, I, I like Herndon. I think he's going to develop into a good player. We talked about it, he's like the highest graded tight end uh, rookie in the league and all that stuff. I think he could be a really solid tight end. Um, but he needs to learn how to play the ball better. We saw it last week, Marcus, or was that two? It was last week. It was last week. Yeah, last week. The ball on the back shoulder. Yeah. yeah, hit him in the face. This play here, man, you, 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 I don't know. Uh, let's see what it is. So they're, they're stacked, and he runs just – call it. it's almost like an out and up. But uh, he's like almost – he's like a fade. Um, but it's just coming from so far inside. And he needs to attack this ball, man. You're, you're bigger than McCourty. You need, to, you need to plant and high point the ball right here instead of running the ball coming to you. So if he plants right, right here and then attacks the ball, you're either one, you're going to catch the ball. Or two, you're gonna get a pass interference, but drifting back with McCordy, letting McCordy get into your body, and then catching it underhand like that, man, you can't let it catch. You can't try to catch that ball underhand. Look, one, if you are trying to catch it underhand, which I don't agree with, look how far his hands are apart. You're you're rarely gonna catch that. Yep. Two, you need to attack the ball more aggressively. So there's a lot he can improve on 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 this play um, for for me at least. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I just think he needs to do a better job of attacking the ball. And actually, like you said, the width that he has, you know, with, with his hands when the ball is coming to him, he needs to he needs to shorten that that distance. And For and sure. this play, like you know, right here, like you said, he needs to go up. Like you said, he's bigger than McCourty. He's already got the advantage because he can see the ball. McCourty's not not you know, it's just waiting to play his hands. But if he goes up, you know, with his hands, you know, facing you know, with his palms up, you know, facing the quarterback, you know, and facing the ball, you know, I think he makes that catch, you know, but you can't let, you know, when a guy's trying to play the ball through your hands like that, you can't make, bas- you know, basket catches like this. You know, no let way. The ball you. you know, not on a fade when you're a 6-5 tight end or yeah, you're at least fading be, at that, the end of the route. This should be like getting a rebound. You know, yeah, for real. That's what you have to like do. You box him out. Yeah, it's the same premise. You know, go up, you know, palms up, you know, grab the ball and, and come down with it. Yeah, and show those late hands. So here you, you plant hard. You, you look up towards the ball. You jump up. It's either pass interference because he's not looking back to the ball yet um, or, or you catch the ball. But he needs to attack this ball here uh, overhand instead of underhand. If you are underhand, like I said, you can't – his hands are so far apart. When you, how are you ever really going to catch this unless you just time it perfectly? It right. literally hits uh, McCordy in the helmet. It's like you got to make that catch. But like I said, I like him. But we have to be honest in, in our assessment or we just be phonies. So – <laughs> Two more plays. This is this is. I'm just gonna play this, and you can take it through. Uh, watch the right tackle here. I watched this on on tape, and I was just like, "Dude, um, quality is obviously a backup, but I I don't even know what he's trying to do." One of the things you always want to do is take your feet with you. Um, right. I guess he forgot that. So, what do you think? Yeah, that's exactly what he did. <laughs> it looks like he. Well, it looks like he's caught in between what he wants to do. You trying to headbutt him. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think you know because of the, the late move by the DN, he gave him you know kind of 
you know, he kind of slipped him, I guess if you want to call it, where you just let the arm fall. You know, he let his, his inside arm fall. So, so the, you know, the lineman can't get a hand on him. And so now he's trying to, he's caught in between, like, okay, now his last resort is to try to cut him. Well, I mean, if you're going to cut, you know, you got to lunge at the guy. You don't just fall down at the guy. You know, <laughs> heads down, body, you know, body, his body, he's leaning too far. You know, body weight's all. Legs are pretty much straight. Yeah, his legs are straight. He has no balance. You know, <laughs> hips are under him. I mean, there's, there's a lot that goes on with that, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and Don, I felt bad for him. That's from the pass protection he got this game. Obviously, that was a sack. Um, even the last throw to to Herndon, uh, he hit. He that was a perfect throw. He needs to make that catch for sure. And then the next play, I'm going to, I'm going to put up uh, Cannon, who he he showed some good this game. Uh, the passing game, I, I don't I don't love uh, some of his his technique for for sure in the way he catches the ball. Um, but he runs his wheel route right here versus um, the the linebacker who is you know in man. And listen, man, your can—he's—he's he's like a four-three guy, and he gets—he gets the linebacker. And uh, there's no really better view of this. Um, Donald puts his ball in the perfect location um, for the most part, yeah. and Cannon needs to make that catch. He drops it, uh, and you'll see the view of it uh, a little bit closer here. But that's a perfect play from Donald. It goes on the statue as an incompletion because his receivers can't catch balls. Um, and it looks like a problem of like track. I don't think he's able to track the ball right here. It looks like he gets a little bit lost right here. Um, and again, the the hand placement, um, just tracking the ball. If anything, gear down right here. Let it hit your hands. But uh, right. really, really bad. Uh, you know, attempt for a reception right there. I, at least I think. Yeah. No. I, I mean, I, I mean, the ball's in a good spot. I mean, Kenneth's just got to track the ball and, and bring it in. I mean. What I, the only thing that I would like to see Cannon do a little bit better on this is when he's coming out of the wheel route is because he obviously is going to outrun Van Noy, is stack him. Just like a, if you're playing, you know, outside, mm-hmm. of, you know, as a wide out. If he stacks him, now you definitely given you've given Doral more room to throw the ball. And if anything, you know, because he, he's – the way that he looks like he's throwing it now, I mean, he, he probably still sees the linebacker kind of on him. So he's trying to put it in a good outside. spot to where – yeah, outside to where Cannon can get the ball. Now, if you – if you shorten that, you know, shorten the out part of the wheel route, and then you stack Van Noy, Van Noy, whatever his name is, you know, you now you've, you know, you've done, you, you've created more room, you know, for Donald to get the ball into you, mm-hmm. and now you you've stacked the, the the linebacker and put him behind you. So now, you know, the only person that can really catch the ball, this is just a terrible throw, is you, you know, at that point. So, yeah, no, that's a that's a really good point too. Because if he was to take more of a hard angle, or even if they're here, just aggressively hold your line, you're one, you're you're going to be able to take more advantage of your speed. Right, They'll lead you more vertically. You have a less contested catch. Um, you don't have to make it as hard as a throw. But even if like you, at the end of all that bad stuff, you have to be able to look this ball and look the ball. And uh, if you are going to basket catch, which I'm, uh, you a basket catch is proper here. Have your hands together, gear down, let the ball come into your hands, but you can't have it hit you, you know, in the, in like the um, the bicep and bounce outside. Like that's just you got to make that play for Donald. That's a that's yeah. a great throw from Donald. Uh, great decision to throw it there, but bad route, bad reception. Um, he can he definitely has some things uh, he can improve on. So moving on from the bad from the uh, defense, we have just a couple things here. Um, I actually only have one play. Uh, because the the pass rush was terrible. I, I'm not going to throw plays of people not getting to the quarterback, but Brady had all day to throw the ball, which there's one way you want to beat Brady 
it's by freaking hitting the dude and getting a bunch of pressure on him. And Jets just did not do that at all. At all. The run defense was pretty bad. Um, and I gave Hewitt like a, like a ding for him in coverage uh, and bring up this play. And this uh, – Let's see here. I said cover. Oh, I didn't even say what coverage it was. Um, that's good. So, looks. They're playing uh, man. Yeah, it's it's man. It's it's cover one. Um, I don't know why I didn't put cover one, but he is on the. Okay, yeah. This is this is the touchdown here. He's a man on this on this running back, uh, James White, who crosses his face and gets to. You know, easy touchdown. And I understand James White's a great. You know, he's great route running all this all this stuff, but I don't I don't like how he's he, one. He's hopping right here. His yeah. feet are pretty flat. Um, you like see like a little bit of foot fire. Foot fire, you, you, you're running your feet. You're able to cut quickly. His feet are a little bit too flat. You're opening up outside. And this is an option route um, from White. And you're never going to beat him with that technique. Uh, so this is, this is the problem. It's right here. Um, yeah. And he's not able to catch White. Easy touchdown for the no, – not, He needs to be more square. I mean, yeah. take away a side. You know, you don't want to give him a two-way go. Take away a side. But – when White comes out and he sees your hips are locked like that, obviously he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna give you an outside move and cut back underneath you because you you can't recover on that. Mm-hmm. You know that's exactly what happened, and you know like you said, you know it ended up being an easy catch, you know, in, in touchdown. So you know you just got to do a better job of being square. Like I said, take away the inside, you know, take away a side if you want to play it outside, that's fine, but at least take away a side, uh, you know, and and not be. You, you never want to be at a 45 degree angle like that, you know, and have your hips locked out because now you can't cover anything once he comes out of the break. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, just bad technique. We, we said he's decent in the run game, pass game. Uh, he's been struggling a little bit, but moving on to the, the next guy. Um, and then we're pretty much done minus one more play out of that. Uh, Darnold. And we'll talk about some coaching and things like that. Obviously the Jets getting into the, the coaching search and firing bulls. We have to talk about that. Uh, Donald, 16 for 28, 167 yards, zero touchdowns, um, zero interceptions, one fumble lost. Um, don't have as many plays as, as I usually do for him, uh, but, but he did. We, we saw two plays right there where he put the ball in great location. One should have been a touchdown, and two should have been a, what, a, a 30, 40-yard throw that didn't go down the stat sheet because of a, a bad route and bad tracking of the ball by, by Cannon. So, um, Got a feel for him a little bit, but this game he did look a little bit more uneasy than he did, but uh, than he did previously. But we'll go over the good plays of, of him first. So this is a play which there's really nothing to. This is just showing his athletic ability, and he picks up like 30 yards here. Um, the whole time though, I was watching this play I was like go down, go down, <laughs> go down, like screaming at my TV because there's no reason to get injured in week 17 playing the Patriots already blowing you guys out. So mm-hmm. good decision to run right there, good gain, but. Just, just slide a little bit earlier, please, Donald, for for the sake of my well-being. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's, and it's hard to say that, you know, when you're when you're, yeah. you know, when you're out there and you're running around and you know during the game and you know everything's going on and adrenaline's going. And he's trying to get as many yards as he can. I mean, but the only thing that I would say on this is just you know take better care of your, you know take better care of yourself. You know, slide mm-hmm. down. You've already, you've got thirty yards already. <laughs> You know, yeah, just just go ahead and slide. You mm-hmm. know, the little closer the defender gets to. Yeah, that's the, that's I don't I don't love that. I love the athletic ability, but uh, every time he gets hit, I, I hold my breath because I really do think we have a franchise quarterback now, and I, I just do not want to see him ever get hurt. Um, and I got a Carson Wentz situation where he shows so much promise but gets hurt, which don't only he missed three games, but that's because Spencer Long was being Spencer Long and uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is what it is. So, uh, good play by Darnold right here. He sets. He he doesn't obviously his feet aren't great because he can't step into the throw because there's pressure. He gets he takes a hit 
which he knows he's going to take, which good delivery with knowing he's going to uh, take the hit. But he, he's throwing the ball as Burnett is cutting on the out route. Um, Burnett runs a decent route. Uh, not great play by the number 27 right here, but good location. Knows he's going to take a hit. Uh, and good play by Donald. Good play by Burnett to catch the ball. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes you're going to make these throws. You know, every throw is, you know, every pocket isn't going to be clean. Um, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> yeah, but, you know, you know, but still to have that, the, you know, have enough juice on the ball and have the accuracy to get the ball out there, you know, is definitely a great play by Darnold. Mm-hmm. All right, a couple more. Um, let's see. 21. So this is, this is, uh, you, you, you like this. I know it, it looks like pretty simple, but I like this uh, play a lot. And people are like, oh, it's, it's an easy play. I don't really think it is. Um, Donald is, he's, I think he notices that it's, it's going to be a, a man coverage right here, cover one. And mm-hmm. he's checking this linebacker. As soon as, the, as soon as the ball is snapped, he's looking at that linebacker. As soon as that linebacker um, is cutting outward on that, on that you know, uh, the running back who's leaking out to the flat, which is McGuire, uh, he knows he's going to throw this route to, to uh, Andre Roberts. He throws it. Good location. Andre Roberts makes the catch. Maybe it's a little bit too far outside, but he gets both hands on it. It's, it's a difficult catch, but uh, I like the, the quick read of the defense right there and recognizing the man and then throwing that slant. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good job of him reading his keys, you know. Mm-hmm. So he sees, you know, the linebacker vacate the hole, you know, where the ball's going right there. So, you know, mm-hmm. good job anticipating that, you know, getting the ball off and, and getting the throw in. Like I said, yes, I mean, the catch is a little bit, you know, out in front of him a little bit. But, mm-hmm. I mean, but still, you get two hands on it, you got to catch it. Yeah, that's because of his his, his – he, he, I think he, the footwork here needs to be better. You, yeah. see, you can see him leaning to the left right here. He's not stepping through the throw. He's, he's like – he's planting and then th- – he's, like he's like almost like fading away. Um, feet are locked up, hips are locked up. You need more of a, of a step through and rotation right there. It's probably a more accurate ball, but he still gets it where it needs to be. So the footwork is something I just don't think he's ever going to have. Like He's never going to have great footwork. Uh, I think he's always going to be pretty much what he is. Um, and it's going to hurt him on a ball or two. But uh, overall, it's he's still fine, obviously. Uh, this play, so this was a kind of good and bad. I like the athleticism right here. He's going to roll out to the right or he's going to you know, like almost like sprint out to the right, obviously. Uh, there's a massive hole in the A-gap with a guy pressing right there. So I guess they're just expecting uh, McGuire to block opposite and pick him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so good athleticism to get away. I would like to see this throw. See, they kind of like the same thing. Feet are planted. Um, I understand he's like kind of scrambling around, but I think he's a little bit more time to set up better, fading away. I like to see the throw over here more, um, but he still gets it there. How is this not a pass interference uh, on on Gilmore right here? Um, not It's not there, but – here he doesn't even see the ball i don't i think if this is the opposite way around this is a jets player versus the patriots this is a, this is a penalty that's just me yeah uh, but what are your what are your thoughts on this one i mean that was tough i mean because it's i mean it's close i mean the balls i mean because gilmore kind of gets there right when the ball is kind of getting there and it's kind of like a bang bang play so i can see why they didn't call it um i mean but go, you know in in our speed that we're watching it i mean it is pass interference mm-hmm. but but uh, yeah, I'd just like to see this ball be a little bit more, you know, to the you know to the right side of the field goal post. You know, I guess it's kind of where you you know where yeah. you'd like to see it. You know, more toward actually actually directly at the field goal post. You know, kind of yeah. right down the middle. To tell you the truth, mm-hmm. you know, just so you know, so he can keep running this route. There's nobody, you know, in the area. You know, just like see a better ball. Yeah, yeah. So they said it's a good athleticism. Uh, like to see a little bit better footwork, the location, good decision, to throw it, but uh, yeah, needs to be a bit, a little bit better of a, of a spot that he that he gets it to. So, um, moving on to the last good, actually, sorry, we have two more of Don, good of Donald. Then I have like three or four plays of the bad. Um, this is a 
uh, this up when I put this into I threw I said he threw a dime, which this is this is a really good throw. And by the way, some some freaking I don't know if you remember that throw against the the, the Vikings, Marcus, where um, he he drops back and he's reading the flat and he throws a ridiculous ball while getting hit um, into the flat. I don't know if you remember seeing. It. I'm gonna show it. I'm gonna show it now. But they did like top ten throws of Donald. And that that play was not in there. I think that's his best throw of the entire season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is another really good one. Rolling out to the right with some pressure in his face. And you have Burnett. Um, actually, is it Burnett? Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you have you have Burnett who eventually you know cuts out on the on a corner, almost like a almost like a flag. And uh, that's <laughs> I don't yeah, know. If, throw. Yeah, while fading away on the run, throwing it thirty five yards in that location with that uh, heat on it, man. That's I don't really know if it gets any better than that. <clears throat> no, that's a money throw. To tell you the truth, I mean, but this, I mean, but this is was he, you know, this is one of the things that you know why are you excited that he's a franchise quarterback because he can do those things, you know. Yeah. And even with a better offensive line, he's still going to have times where he's going to scramble and make plays like that. But knowing that he has the ability to do that and, and be accurate while he's doing it is, you know, that's impressive. Oh, and I got to, I got to. Uh, so this is the play I'm talking about. So they did like a top ten plays or top ten throws of his season. And this throw was not on there. I do not understand how this, this throw is not on there, but I guess it didn't go for a big gain or anything like that. But right. the location of this ball, when getting hit, like literally he's, he was getting dragged back. His, his throwing arm is getting to- like torn backwards mm-hmm. in the pocket, gets mauled. And how is this not on there? I don't, I don't understand, but whatever. Well, he's had to make so many, I guess. Is that far down the list? <laughs> no, it's probably they don't. Honestly, they probably even watch it. Like that's something you have to, you have to watch to to know. But uh, moving back to the game that we were talking about, I had to throw. I I I watched. I was like, watch. I'm not gonna have this throw on there, and they didn't. But this is the um, last one of this. So let's see. Oh, this is to and yeah, this is this one's to Anderson. So yeah. Um. So the footwork. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. And Anderson, he gets a pretty. Or is it Anderson? Yeah. So this is a, this is another one where it should have been a catch. The Herndon one should have been a catch. The the Cannon one should have been a catch here. Um, balls in your hands, and he gets hit, and, and he drops the ball because he doesn't have that strength. But uh, good, you know, good throw to recognize the 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 leverage of the not the, not even the leverage of the cornerback, but the way he's playing it, he knows that Anderson's going to have that out. Uh, throws right. the ball as Anderson's cutting, and uh, it's a drop though. So, yeah, you got to make that catch though. I mean, because those those balls, like, and I say it every week, you're expected to make those, you know, to make those catches. I know it's a little high. I get it, but mm-hmm. you know, like you said, Donald reads, you know, reads the coverage. He's, he's going to have the out. Yeah, got, you know, and why, you know, if you're the wide receiver, you should be expecting it as well. You know, whether you're covered or not, you should expect the ball all the time. So you have to be, you have to run your routes like that, and. And when the ball does come, you know, if it's, you know, even if it's a little bit high, you're still, you know, going to be expected to make that catch. Yeah, it's not like it, it, I agree that it's a little high, but uh, he he did have some like bend in his elbows right here, so it wasn't like it wasn't like ridiculously high where he had to like re, like moss it or anything like that. And like I mm-hmm. said, it was a good decision because he, he has over top and and he's he's outside, but he's so far over top that he knows that Anderson's going to be able to cut outside and have that leverage. So. Um, just a, it's it's another play where he didn't get helped out by his team. I think Anderson had a bad game because uh, some of the routes because of that. A couple of bad ones of of Donald where I said he wasn't. It wasn't like a Packers game or even a Bills game at the end or, um, you know the the Texans game which I believe was his at least I think it was his best game of the season. Uh, you know, so far actually the season's over, so it is. 
Um, he met, he definitely missed a couple of balls, and this is where it seems like he was a little bit antsy, um, more in the pocket, and I don't know if he's just excited, but uh, this play, he throws it, it – it is way too far over, over Hernan's head. You can see the ball land at the, like, 47, so it's definitely too far, and I yeah. get why he's throwing it right here. Um, but if he if he leads him, you know, inside here and it's high, I think he has a chance to make this catch. But he he sells it. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the this. I don't know if I've seen seen Darnold make a throw, you know, this far off. I mean, you, usually you have some off throws, but this one, yeah, he just kind of sailed on and kind of got away from him. You know what what it looks like, uh, you know, because there's, I mean, because Herndon is open. You know, you just got to make sure, like you said, you lead him and keep the ball a little bit more outside, even if it is high. You know, just give him a chance, but you know he has no chance on you know on this throw at all. Yeah, there's a couple. I, I have a couple of these uh, these throws, and this was a a sale on what I called a drive concept. Let me watch it again. Like I said, like I said, watching this film was brutal. So they like, have yeah, drive concept. Yeah, it's a drive concept. Uh, I don't like how they're so close right there. They're only like f- you know four yards apart. And you have like some of the commentators like, oh, I've never seen guys throw the ball have backup guys trying to catch the ball as well. Um, it's because the Jets run routes that are so close, whether it be vertically, whether it be horizontally, it's just they're always close. But it's a drive concept where you have the it's like a, a tight stack. Um, you have – yeah, it's a drive. So this is another ball where he throws it just too high. Um, like it is – he's not wide open, but he can make this catch. So just another example. Yeah. I mean, yeah, look, yeah, a little bit. I mean, but he, I mean, but like you said, you gotta have some ball throws. I mean, mm-hmm. but but that one, you like to see him put it on him a little bit more. You know, that one's high. You know, I think that's part of that is is pressure. So he's feeling like he's got to get the ball out, you know, quick as opposed to you know just taking his time. And even though there's not a whole lot of pressure there, um, you know, I guess by NFL standards, I mean it's there, but sometimes that that speeds up the clock. You know, the quarterback that that he's got to get the ball out and he doesn't, you know, complete the rotation all the way through and he's a little bit less accurate, you know, all mm-hmm. those things come into play. So I think that's, you know, kind of what happened on that, on that, on that play. And this is one, this is his first legitimate fumble of the year uh, where, like I said, the one was the, was the botched handoff to, to Crowell because of a terrible snap from long. Um, but here the, the fumble, um, kind of sucks because it, there, there was no I watched this multiple times there's literally there's nobody open on this player was locked down so he's trying to make something happen yeah. um but he needs a little bit I, there was he was trying to throw a, a ball that was not it was not going to be an easy throw right here um so I'm not gonna be gonna kill him for this he's just trying to make something happen it was a game where he was obviously down big time um and he's trying to make something happen I think so, I think it was Robbie Anderson like cut out here no or maybe it was Herndon right here but uh yeah fumble that went for six so yeah, and he just got to just – and I know he's running around trying to make a play. You just got to have more awareness mm-hmm. of, you know, you've got people – you know he's being chased, so he's got to – you know, you just got to do a better job of, you know, that awareness and holding on to the ball, you know. And, and, you know, because guys, you know, when they're coming in, even if they don't have you, they're swiping at your arms, swiping at mm-hmm. your legs, and, and, you know, things like that, you know, trying to get the ball out. You know, that's the purpose of that. So he's, he's just got to have better, you know, better awareness of, you know, being in that situation. Sometimes you just got to take the sack. You, know, you just hold on to the ball. You live to fight another day. Yeah, and um, this one was a little bit. This is the last one I have. This one was a little bit. Um, I think they kind of misspoke here on. And again, the footwork. I don't love it at all right here. But people thought that he was throwing this ball to Anderson. When I watched this, it looked like people were like, "Oh well, who's expecting Anderson to cut outside?" What I think and why where his eyes are looking, you see he's looking at Roberts right there on that on that uh, crossing route. And he's called right. it over, and. Yeah. 
I think what he expected was was Roberts to cut his route more uh, towards the towards the end zone and, and break it more vertically, where he he kind of flattened it out. So right. like he was throwing it to, to to Anderson, but I think he, he was really trying to throw this ball to to Roberts. That's at least what I what I see on this play, just by where he's looking. You see his eyes are at Roberts. He's not looking at Anderson. No, he's not looking. He's not looking at Anderson at all. I think he's looking at Roberts too. Yeah, right yeah, there. And I, he's probably expecting because that that underneath defender is sitting right there for yeah for. Mm-hmm. For um the Anderson, but for him to you know take make the route more diagonal than than flat across, you know, mm-hmm. and do it earlier. So, you know, it's just them being on the same page, you know. And I, I mean, I definitely see what Donald's looking at. Kind of blame that, blame that on the wide out because you can't, you don't want to run right into an underneath defender. And the, you know, the, all your spaces in the end zone. There's nobody back there. You know, well, exactly. So when Donald goes to throw this vertical. ball, he sees this. Right. You know, and he sees this. So if, if, if Roberts was to cut more up, and I'm just not making excuses for him, but – and there was this freaking Browns fan that, like, tweeted this. He's like, oh, great throw by Darnold. Like, now they're trying to shit on Darnold because they have Baker Mayfield. Like, dude, you guys have been bad for so long. You get a quarterback for one year, and you're going to start being cocky. Please don't not do that. Don't – I don't want to have right. a whole beef with freaking Browns fans now arguing about Darnold versus Baker Mayfield. But like, oh, yeah, great decision by Darnold. It's really not that bad of a one. He, he was – obviously, the footwork's not great. Um, but he's expecting, um, like you said, you know, Roberts to break more diagonally. So whatever. Um, but moving on from the good from the offense, which is really only Donald that I that I had in here. Um, we're going to move on to the good from the defense, which I really didn't have, you know, anything on here. Um, let me just mark this. <laughs> yeah, it's just they're they're really when you get beat by by thirty five points, you let up thirty eight points. Uh, the, like I said, the run defense was terrible. The miscommunications was terrible. The only thing I have in here, or three things, was Derek Jones played. He got a lot of reps, even though that one play we said he didn't have he didn't have great uh, footwork or anything like that. But uh, he got a lot of reps. He didn't stand out in a bad way, which is a good thing for him for being so young. Uh, Brandon Clopin, I thought had a nice a few nice plays, and then Jordan Jenkins is the last play of film I, I have on this, and we've talked about him. And I talked about him being a little bit underrated this year. And he's, I think he's a, he's a, he's a decent um, showing outside linebacker uh, mm-hmm. for the Jets in the three, four. And I think you can live with him. Now, if you get him, you pair him with, let's say a Josh Allen as a weak side, watch out because I, I like Josh. Here's a hint. I like Josh Allen a lot. And so does Marcus. And if they land him at three, uh, I'm going to be very, very excited. We'll we'll see what happens with the draft. We have a lot of months coming up, but uh, he's pretty yeah. good. So, this play, he's, he's setting a really hard edge, and obviously it looks like he's expecting some, some help over top right here from, from Hewitt. Um, but he takes on Cannon right here, inside shoulder, um, and he makes a tackle. So I like it. It's something that's going to stand out crazy, but I just thought, I thought I'd just throw it in here for yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's a good physical play, and he mm-hmm. uses his hands, gets off the block, and, yeah, makes a tackle. No, that's a good play. You know, that's a good technique by him. Mm-hmm. To tell you the truth, you know, he goes in, he attacks Cannon, uses his hands, you know, doesn't – you know, allow Cannon to get a hold to him in any kind of way, and he steps in and makes the tackle. Yeah, like you said, it's. I mean, but those those plays are important. It's not as you know, it's not flashy. It's not a splash play, but it's still an important play. Yeah. Okay. So so now moving on to the to the rest of the of the game. Other like I said, other than the good from the defense, there was nothing. It was they let up thirty eight <laughs> points. Um, special teams, I didn't really even write down anything. Uh, the coaching from this game, there's a couple decisions I didn't like. The Jets couldn't run the ball. Day it was fourth and one. Bates decide to run like a as like another like uh, lead power play. Um, and the Jets get stuffed instead of throwing the ball. I didn't like that. Uh, overall, from the other coaching, the only thing I really like hated. 
um, from Bulls this game, which he's gone right now, so it doesn't really matter for the future. Um, but it was a point in the game where the Patriots were on their were on the Jets like 40, 42 yard line, whatever it was. There's about a minute left in the game, or yeah, a minute left and a half. Uh, the Jets have three timeouts. And if they stop the Patriots on fourth and one, they have the ball at the 40 yard line with a right. minute to go with two timeouts and you're getting blown out. So try to try to freaking score a touchdown before half and at least like, rejuvenate your team. The Jets let the run, the clock run down to like 20 seconds, they end up stuffing them. Um, and the Jets have the ball at 20 seconds. They run the ball one time and then it gets, it goes for a loss. and They need it. So like, dude, there's a minute yeah. left in the game. You're already losing. You have nothing to lose. Call timeout, try to stuff them for a touchdown. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like, it's like tucking your tail between your legs and just trying to get out of the game. I don't like that, um, especially when you know you're going to get fired. So that, that kind of pissed me off. Um, penalties, four penalties for 30 yards. That I'll, I'll take that for the Jets. Honestly, it's like not terrible. So <laughs> Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you're looking at what last week was 16 penalties for 170 yards. So yeah. Four, I'll take it any day. Uh, hopefully that improves going forward and, and the norm is two to three, but we'll see what happens. Uh, they're needing a lot of new players for that with a lot more discipline. Uh, other than that, from the game, like the, the other other category that I have, uh, what are your thoughts on the Tremaine Johnson thing? Uh, he was a healthy scratch because – or he's a yeah, healthy scratch from the game because apparently he missed a meeting um, and practice last week. And as a player, obviously, you know, an NFL player, you can comment on that more and how that affects the team. Uh, after he came out and admitted it on, like, a tw- on like Twitter, he said, uh, you know, he apologized. It's unacceptable. He said he, he basically got frustrated with the season and all that stuff, and he not, he's not going to let it happen again. But uh, what are your thoughts yeah, being a healthy I mean, scratch for? The guy who's making $16 million a year. Right, and that's the problem that I have with this is they brought you in, mm-hmm. you know, from where you came from, coming from the Rams. So you know how to play. You know, being, you know, playing on the way Phillips and, and that staff, you know, defensively, you know what's expected of you. This is when you tell – when I hear that I got frustrated with the season, so I just decided to miss meetings and miss practice, mm-hmm. then you're a front runner. You know, when – then, you know, when – you know, when the crap starts falling and it gets hard, you know, yeah. you can't stay in there and stick it out. So – I mean, I'll be honest with you. I don't know if I can play with a guy like that. Yeah. Because it I mean, that's honestly got truth. And so, you know, if I'm some of those other players, yeah, I'm going to be questioning if I even want this dude to come back. And it, particularly if I'm a coach, if you tell me you got frustrated with the season and you missed the meeting, I'm getting your ass up out of there. I'm just like, you know, that's just me speaking, you know, as a mm-hmm. player and as a coach. Like, I, I can't deal with that. So the apology is nice. I get it. You know, I understand everybody is frustrated with the season, but everybody else showed up. Everybody else went to practice and went to meetings. So yeah. what, so different. And, you know, and unfortunately, and this is probably why I will never be a general manager, I don't give a damn how much money you make. If, you know, you know, and maybe I should, you know, maybe it's, this is the bill, you know, coming out of me. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Nobody's above the team. Everybody's frustrated when you're losing. You show up and you go to work just like everybody else. Hell, I'm the coach. I got to still show up and give you the game plan. Mm-hmm. I got to show up and diagnose five and six weeks of film Know, to get us ready to play. So while I said the apology is nice, but there's, you know, that to me, that's just, that's just, you know, I, the only thing I can think, you know, is front runner from that point, you know, cause it's, there's going to be adversity. There's going to be times when you're not playing well, you know, the only thing you do is you go back to work, you suck it up and you figure out how to, you know, how to get it done. So. Yeah, and he got like what basically like three years, forty-two million dollars guaranteed. So he's he's stuck with the Jets for it might even be more than I forget exactly what it was. But he's making like fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. I don't know. I may I may take that cap hit just to get him out of there. Yeah, I mean, well, the I mean, because the cap is going up. I think it goes up by like thirty million, thirty or forty million, or whatever it is next year. You know, again, it goes from like one fifty to one ninety or something like that, or whatever it's at. So I may take that cap hit just to get somebody in there that I know wants to be there. 
that I can work with and they're going to play and, you know, go in and give me the effort that you're expected to have as opposed to dealing with this. Yeah, it's obviously it's, it's not it's not going to happen just because McCagney on the hot seat, you, you know, losing thirty million dollars or twenty five million dollars dead money. It's just it's never it's it's just not going to work um, unless they can find a way to avoid the guarantee, which is I, I doubt that. But yeah, he has to play better um, overall. Well, that, miss, I mean, but that's actually a reason to avoid the guarantee. Hey, if they can do it, I'm all for it. If they want to get you rid know, of it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's because that's not like you had a baby. Your mom's dying. You got, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, you got, the, you know, the team's permission to miss. You know, those yeah. things are excusable. This right here, you just didn't show up because you didn't want to. That's voidable. And hey. most, most contracts say that. If they can eat up a little bit, uh, just or if they can take out some of that cap hit. Let's say they they lose, you know, ten million dollars or whatever, and they want to get a new corner in here. I'm fine with that because playing with guys who, like Jamal Adams said, he wants those dogs. Tremaine Johnson's not a dog. You know, not not showing up the meetings, missing practices. <laughs> playing with little effort on the field sometimes where he's, he's a better corner than he played this year. Um, and like you said, the NFL, it's the NFL, dude, like this is your job. And I hate to like, always like go back to high school, but dude, we sucked in high school and everybody shows every practice and we had fun. Right. Like, it's it. You're, and you're getting paid to do it. Like I wasn't getting paid. I played both sides of the ball, got our shit out of us. Like every single game minus like the three or four that we actually won. So like, don't give me that. Like, Oh, I, I was frustrated. Like I was frustrated. When I was right. in high school, did I freaking go out and like drink and stuff like that and not want to show up for practices somewhere when I was hungover? Hell yeah. But did I show up? Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. It's, it's no, there's no excuse for that crap, dude. Especially in the NFL. I, nope. I can't take it. Um, so I, I don't like playing with that too. It really bothers me. Watching Wilkerson, Lofit and stuff like that. And now Tremaine Johnson, all these guys. Uh, moving on from that though, basically our, to, to wrap that up, it's, it's inexcusable um, for, for both of us. Um, but you know, we'll see, or, or we'll see what happens. Hopefully they, like I said, they can avoid that. I, I doubt it, but uh, you know, you never know. So you now moving on from him, we talked about the Quincy Newmore contract, uh, four years, $36 million, $20 million guaranteed. Listen, I'm not going to say I love it, but I'm not going to say I hate it. Um, obviously for a guy who over the last, this year he had one touchdown was injured a lot of the year. Uh, right. His career he has five, he has five touchdowns. Um, I, it's not like it's not like a deal where they really made out bad or well. Uh, maybe they could have got him for a little bit less. So I think what happened is the Jets looked at the free agency market. There's really not a lot of guys that wide receiver. Uh, Quincy Newman knows Sam Darnold. He's comfortable here. He's a guy who, if healthy, he could play any position. He can go over the middle. He could play short. He can run after catch. He can go deep. He has good hands. Um, he's a he's a good in the locker room type guy, at least from what I've heard. So I think they looked at the free agency market and said, okay, nine million dollars a year for for a guy like you who's comfortable here. Um, we'll do that. Like I said, it, they didn't. It, this is not a bargain. Nine million dollars is nine million dollars. That's like a solid contract for a wide receiver. So overall, I think it's okay contract. I like that Numa's back overall, though. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I like the contract. I mean, it's only nine million, like you said. You know, it's not. You know, he's probably in the. See, at nine million, I mean, he's still probably like top twenty-five, top thirty. Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere around up in there. So I mean, it's not. You know, it's not it's not a bad contract, you know, because it's only, and I say only, I mean, it's only not me. You know, it's not like, I mean, because if you look at, if you look at, yeah, it's probably, it's top 25. Because looking at, if I'm looking at this correctly, I think Moncrief, is he still with Jacksonville? Like he's making nine. He's a free agent now, though, yeah. Okay, yeah, but he's number 23. So, Randall Cobb at, at 22 is making 10. So, I mean, he's, you know, and I think he, he's done a little bit more than, you know, than Randall Cobb over the last couple of years, to say the truth. 
So yeah, it's just the injuries. I, I, if he was yeah, healthy, yeah, time, he just yeah, it's just him being injured. So yeah, I mean, I think it's you no, know, no, I don't, I don't follow his contract, and mm-hmm. I think he, you know, his chemistry with Donald is good. I think Donald trusts him, has a lot of confidence in him, and you know, I think you know, outside of the field, um, he is a leader. I think in the locker room, but I definitely from him, like you and I always talk about. I mean, he he needs to improve, and I think he he does get better every year. But the one thing that he does that really everybody does, every, everybody else doesn't do on a consistent basis, he plays hard every week. Oh he's yeah, physical with everybody every week. Like he when he shows up on, on game day, like he's there for you know he's mm-hmm. there, you know, and you know that. So whether he gets eight catches or whether he gets one catch, like you know, you know, he he makes impact, you know, in some kind of way, whether it be the running game or the passing game. Mm-hmm. So I actually I like the contract. Yeah, he's a guy who's gonna smack you in the mouth too. I I, I can't believe I didn't even mention him. We talk about good receivers who block. He he lights like there's plays where he lit up Cam Chancellor a couple of years ago. Like he's a good blocker. Um, and I think like coming in as a coach, whoever they do hire as a coach, seeing him on the roster helps a little bit because yep. there's nothing you can't do with him. They're like nope. literally. Uh, and with him talk about the system, whoever gets hired uh, depends on the system. Maybe he's used a little bit less or a little bit more depending on who gets hired. But, uh, yeah, I think it's an okay contract. Um, the injuries, you know, hopefully he can – I think towards the end of the year they're a little bit more safe with him. I don't think they're going to push him to play when they can't make the playoffs. Right. Uh, but hopefully he's a guy who could play at least, you know, 14 games a year, maybe only miss a game here or there. And that's going to happen with his physical style. It's just going to. Yeah. Um, but moving on, Bull, uh, obviously – Talk about a little bit about the uh, the Bulls firing. Um, it was expected. I thought after 2015, it came out, and after that game, Buffalo, where where the Jets basically came out and said that they expected to win that game, they kind of loafed it. Um, the the entire the big question that game is why didn't Chris Ivory play? Um, they played Stephen Ridley the whole time, who just could not run the ball. Ivory came in for like one play in like the late second quarter, ran the ball for like 40 yards, and people were like wondering what the hell happened to him. Um, and it came out the other day that he didn't play because he was nicked up and they wanted to save him for the playoffs in a game in week 17 where they needed to win to get to the playoffs. They did not play Ivory. They wanted to rest him, um, which is right. absurd. That, if, if that's true, that is just absolutely crazy. You have to get to the playoffs first before you are at the freaking playoffs. Right. Um, and like I said, that that game, uh, the Cardinals game, like there's a bunch of games that he just he, – I don't, I don't think he was right for the job. Uh, the 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 not used timeouts. What we just talked about, the Patriots game, not calling a timeout before half there. Kicking field goals down three scores. I'll write down some stuff here. Punting late in the game when you're down two scores. Super conservative. Um, the disciplinary coach who didn't really discipline anybody. You have guys from late to meetings consistently throughout the years. Getting a big contract to Wilkerson. He loafed it. Um, the defense, it was okay. Um, and listen, he's not, he was definitely not a great coach. I think he's more of a defensive coordinator type guy. I don't think he can manage a team. Um, but, uh, he's a good dude. And I, I hated the, the thing I hated the most. I talked about on, I put this on Twitter is, uh, the zombie, every zombie bowl, zombie bowls. I hated that. I hated how people, their first argument against the guy was that he's a zombie on the sideline. Listen, I get it, but I have two names for you who are, who are zombies. If, he, if the guy was playing well, one, people say, oh, look at his calm demeanor in the face of pressure. Look how look at right. the people around him um, kind of even out because of how calm he is. Bill Belichick, Nick Saban. Yeah. Do, do you really need any more than that? Do you need to be a coach who's rah-rah? No, you do not. If, you're, if, you're, if you scheme well and you coach a player well, you win. People don't care about the zombie thing. So I hate how that works in like one way or the other where if he was bad, yeah, the zombie. Or if he was good, oh, that's great. That's, such good, for the, that's good for the team that calms already down. Like, that's stupid. But uh, overall, what, what are your thoughts? I guess his time here, the zombie thing, all this, all this crap. Yeah, I don't – I never – when I 
I never even like attempt to even like listen to the zombie talk because there's there's a lot of coaches that me included. I don't give you a whole lot on the sideline. I mean, I give you like a little bit, but I'm not. Yeah, I'm not the rah rah guy or whatever. Oh, zombie Marcus Coleman, here you no, are. Yeah. No, it. I just. I mean, some people their demeanors are different, and it has nothing to do with. You know, it. You know, it doesn't have a whole lot to do with you know how the team's playing or whatever it is. That's what you do during the week. I mean, if you look at even look at, you know, my buddy Anthony Lynn. You know, Anthony gives you like he gives you a yep. little bit, but for the most part. Oh, I mentioned like, his name on. Uh, yeah. People are coming at me. I'm like, dude, Anthony Lynn. I said, I, I was like, I was like, Anthony Lynn, uh, Saban, Belichick, uh, Tomlin a little bit. He doesn't give a lot. Uh, yeah, he doesn't, a bunch yeah, of guys. Give, yeah, Tomlin doesn't give you a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of guys that coach like that, and you know that's because, you know, that's just you know what you know our demeanors are. You know, and you need to be more focused on what's going on and the task at hand as opposed to being a damn cheerleader. That's why mm-hmm. you know the organization furnishes those. You know as cheerleaders and yell people and whatever it is. So I don't I don't buy into that. But I mean getting the Bowls, I mean Coach Bowles is a good dude. You know, I've known him for a long time. Um, you know, I I think, you know, for and it's happened and it's happened before. You know, we're talking about arguably the greatest coach that's ever coached in the NFL, Bill Belichick, you know, failed in his first stint, you know, in, in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and there's several other coaches where it happened to um where they weren't successful the first time around, but then they get another chance, you know, later on down the line and then they manage it, you know, they do a better job of managing the game and understanding, you know, all the things that, that, you know, being a head coach encompasses. So I just think that, you know, you know, he, you know, he'll end up being a DC somewhere for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whoever it is, you know, he'll, you know, look back on, you know, some of the mistakes he made, some of the things that he didn't do, you know, and correct them for the next time around, you know, I, but I did, it, which I thought was awkward as well, um, or weird, I should say, was he is a, you know, kind of a tough coach, you know, in regards mm-hmm. to, like, discipline, um, you know, the way the guys play, and that his team didn't always show up like that consistently was, you know, I wasn't used to seeing that. Yeah. <clears throat> just, just you know, because, you know, it's not be- – and it's because, I you know, he's coached me firsthand, you know, and, you know, I've been under him twice. You speak better than anybody on Twitter. Yes, yeah. You really yeah, played under him, so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, the mm-hmm. bowls that I know, you know, he – you know, that's why I didn't understand, you know, how that happened. So, I put that more on the players than I do on him because I know he's not that kind of guy. So, I can defend him in that aspect. Um, you know, but, you know, it's a shame that you, you know, see good guys get fired. You know, it happens, you know, and – you know, he'll learn for it, but like I said, he'll get a DC job somewhere because he is a hell of a coordinator for sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe he'll get another, you know, a second chance to be a head coach somewhere. I mean, it even came out that he actually potentially may have, you know, have a chance to interview, you know, you know, for a couple of other places, you know, there's the Cardinals, which he'd go back. He'd be back in Arizona. So yeah, he'd be back in Arizona. They like him. He understands, you know, what they're about. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and I think um, talent wise, you know, they definitely – I think they have more than what the Jets have. And he'll have a lot more to work with. You know, and I think, you know, with Kime and everything that he's dealt with, um, you know, he'll give, you know, Bowles the players that he wants, you know, or that he needs, I should say. Um, and I think it helps that, you know, also, you know, Steve played in the NFL as well. So, I think Steve has a good – you know, a bit, you know, kind of a good understanding of, of uh, you know, the system that Bowles runs defensively, you know, who the OC is, don't know who that is. But he would have a good understanding of what kind of guys you need to – you know, to, to to plug in, you know, to be able to, you know, get to the playoffs and have a successful season. So, you know, like I said, but like you said, it's unfortunate. You hate to see good guys go out like this, but, you know, that's, you know, that's kind of part of the job. You know, that's part of the game. 
Yeah, it was time. It's not like he didn't deserve to be fired here. It just was not working. Uh, like I said, the, the lack of discipline, uh, the timeouts, the game management, um, it was just a combination of things which was not working. Uh, I, 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 personally, I wanted him fired after last year. I don't like, like – I'm not going to call for anybody's job. I don't have enough pull to do that or anything like that, so it doesn't really matter. But obviously, he's a good dude. And it sucks to be like, oh, he, you know, he has a family and stuff like that, so it sucks to be like, oh, get fired. But at the end of the day, I want the team to do well, and I just didn't see it with Bulls. Um, now, the other thing that comes along with this is the fact that McCagnan was not fired. I don't like that he wasn't fired. Um, I don't like that one of these big-time coaches is coming in here, um, is going is, Going, going to be kind of like unsure if McCagnan's going to be fired in a couple of years. Like, how is their job security? I'm sure it's not. You'd like to hire a GM and a coach at the same time. And listen, right. Mac hasn't done like he's done. I think he's overall he's been like let's say give him a letter grade like a C minus. So he hasn't been awful, but he has not been good. His drafts have been terrible. He's good at trading. He's good at, for the most part in free agency minus some things that happened like Tremaine Johnson, but nobody saw that coming. It, Tremaine Johnson was a solid sign at the time. I'm not going to kill him for that. Um, but overall, I just didn't think he did enough to warrant staying here and getting to choose a new coach with Woody, or with uh, Chris Johnson, actually, now. So I think they should have fired him at the both at the same time, found a new guy, um, because it's not like he's done terribly or deserved to be fired, but I just didn't think he showed – it was more that he just didn't show it enough to stay. Like, that's, that's my feelings on it. Uh, I don't know how you feel, but – they're going to yeah, have to extend I mean, them because what if now if a coach, let's say, let's say it is wh- whoever, I, I'm not going to throw a random name. I'm even saying like Mike McCarthy. Okay. Well, Mike McCarthy wants to come in. And by the way, I don't like Mike, uh, Mike McCarthy, but he comes in, he wants to have job security. He knows that the G- GM is on the hot seat. So like, is that, is that att- attractive for a coach? I don't think so personally. So I would have rather just see a new GM, new coach. And then also with this, because you're in the front office, all this stuff and you know how it works. I don't like the, the, the structure that the Jets have where, the GM reports to the to the uh, owner, and the head coach reports to the owner. The head coach does not report to the to the uh, GM who reports to the owner. They both report to the owner. I don't like that because I, I kind of feel like it makes them out of sync. Um, and that's right. apparently the way it's going to stay. So uh, overall, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, um, in the hierarchy of things, I mean, I think both should report to the owner. I agree with that as well. Um, and usually, you know, typically the head coach and the GM are tied together. You know, t- you know, typically how it works. Yeah. What what I don't like is um, when you look at some of these other teams where the coach doesn't have a lot of input or a lot of say-so, and the reason why I bring that up is because of the comment that, that Todd made. Um, I can't remember when I read it, but, you know, he more or less said that – I think somebody asked him about the players, and, you know, and he said, well, it's the coach's job to win with, you know, win with whatever you have. I don't – you know, I've never – you know, I don't necessarily agree with that, um, and I've always been – you know, a proponent of the GM, these the GM and the scouts. So that's not just the GM. The GM and the scouts, the whole scouting department, personnel department, they need to understand. And you don't have to know like everything, but you need to have an idea of what kind of system you're running on offense, what kind of system you're running on defense, what kind of players you need at each position in order to make it work. You know, for it to be successful. If you just if yeah. you're just picking players, you know, based off of okay, well, yeah, he was a good player in college and blah blah, blah and and you know, you got to, you have to go farther than, okay, well, yeah, he was a three four. He played a three, four outside linebacker, you know, in college, so he can do it in the league. No, it's got to be a little bit more than that because mm-hmm. different things are asked in the college, you know, from in the NFL game than they are in college. So you have to understand that it's more than just the analytic, you know, the analytics part of it. You know, you actually have to watch the film and see, okay, well, did he play in a power scheme in college? You know, so, so if I'm, for example, because Houston runs, you know, they run a lot of inside-outside zone, you know, for example. 
But if I got a kid that went to freaking Penn State or Boston College, you know, that's an old lineman where they run in, you know, they run power 90% of the time, I'm probably not going to draft that guy. Even yeah. if he is a hell of a lineman, but he doesn't fit what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why I don't like when the GMs and the personnel, they just get to pick whoever they want and they just dump them out on the field and then you just have to make it work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, that's why usually the GM and the head coach are tied together because they have some understanding of, you know, what it is that's needed. So I don't know how it's going to work out, particularly if you're bringing in somebody like a, like a bevel or, or the enemy, you know, where you're getting like multiple formations and you're running multiple things. Uh, you got guys doing, you know, running all over the place. You know, I think Sam Donald can play in any system, but you got to have linemen, you know, that can, you know, do both inside, outside zone, power, you know, whatever it is, be good in the screen game. You got to have, you know, you got to have guys that can do all of those things. So it, it'll be tough, you know, and unless he, you know, the, McKagan forms that relationship with the head coach and kind of understands that then, you know, he won't be, you know, he won't be there and he won't be extended. So, you know, that's the only problem that I see him having an understanding of whoever the new coach is that's coming in, you know, of what it is they're trying to do and what they're trying to run, you know, and, but that's why now a lot of coaches, you know, in the NFL, you know, there, there may be a GM mm-hmm. title per se, but a lot of coaches like to come in and they like that, you know, they like to have full control, you know, to be the GM and the, the head coach, you know, if possible. That way they get more say-so of the players that they're picking. Yeah, and no, I, I agree with that. It's like it's like you're trying to – like people say, oh, you want to get the groceries and, and cook the meal too. It's it's kind of true though. The coach needs to have say. It's like freaking GM getting you ingredients for meatloaf and you want to cook, cook linguine and clams. You know, it's like you <laughs> have to have something that – you have to have the ingredients for the for the team that you want. A lot of people say, oh, well, good coaches, you know, fit their schemes to their players, which to a certain extent is true. Right. But like let's just say with an offensive line, like you can't you can't have a four three D end and a three four and you know outside linebacker in the same system. Like you can't obviously like I'm just I'm just trying to make it really simple. Or you can't have but it's, it's, it's tough know, to make it work. You yeah. can't have three zone blocking offensive linemen and two power guys. Like it's just hard to make everything work. You, if anything, you want right. them all to mesh together and like them independently reporting to the to the owner. It kind of makes it feel like it's more of an individual job instead of tying them together. Um, so they're really right. working together. I don't. I don't like them both reporting to the owner. I, I, I like if it's more one like power structure. Where they're all in the same kind of boat. Um, and a coach, like I said, one, it's you're giving him lack of stability. I, I, I think like it, it seems like it's lack of stability because McKinney hasn't done a great job. He's on the hot seat. So you're coming into a situation where the GM's in the hot seat. That's not good. Um, I'd like to, like I said, them both coming together. And I just don't think McKagan has done enough. He's done some good things, but look at his roster after after four or five years. And I understand they went through like a, a, a kind of like a high where they went ten and six, almost made the playoffs, and had to rebuild. But let's just say they've been rebuilding for three years. Is this enough on a team who's been rebuilding for three years? Just Jamal Adams and Donald, minus that, like a couple of guys here and there, they don't have enough like star players. Um, so I, I would have liked to see. McCagden fired and you have Jamal Adams a star player on the team all pro player coming out and saying they basically need better players yeah. so is that good enough no uh, not for me to, to to get extended to be here for another year or two I would like I said rather see them bring in something different but um to quickly go over some of the coaching candidates I'm, we're not going to kill this topic because I'm not going to get into an hour discussion about you know Cliff Kingsbury and then them hire Eric Bieniemy because it's just a waste of my time. So I, I rather kind of see what happens first before we really break down candidates. But we'll kind of go over a general thing. You have a good feel for coaches and things like that. Um, but the Jets are not using. Actually, let me write down uh, the time that we're that we're talking about this so people don't kill me on 
for on YouTube for not uh dude, I'm kidding. The guy the guy who watches the show, he's gonna know who I'm talking to. I'm I'm kidding, obviously. Um, but the coaching, they're not using coaching candidate or a coaching firm or, or firm to hire these guys like they did last time with uh, Wolf and uh, whoever else it was. Um, they're they're hiring from within house. They're going to hire it's gonna be McCagnan and Chris Johnson with a little bit of input from Woody Johnson, but most parts basically Chris Johnson hiring this guy. Um there's a couple guys, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, offensive coordinator. You should know him very, very well, uh, Texas Tech guy. Uh, yeah. So what are your thoughts on him? Uh, people say he has a really innovative offense. We'll talk a little bit about what that offense is with the air raid. Um, but you have players coming out and supporting him, Jamal Adams, Marcus May, Chris Herndon. Uh, he didn't win a lot in Texas Tech, but people said, like I said, the offense was good. It's more of the defense. Uh, he got fired from there, then went to USC as the, as the OC with the, with the USC right now. Is it going to be the head coach, whatever it is? Um, but now he's getting offers from you know some teams or at least interviews. So, what are your thoughts on Cliff Kingsbury? Well, I mean, I like Cliff, and like you said, I do know I know Cliff very well. Um, great young offensive mind, um, and like you said, every year, <clears throat> even you know going all the way back to when he started coaching when he was at you know University of Houston before he got to A and M and you know eventually Tech. You know, their offense has, you know, always put up numbers. And, yeah. you know, he's always done a good job of, you know, the quarterbacks that he's had, you know, of developing them. And, and you know, they've always played well. So Yeah, Mahomes and uh, even uh, – yeah, what's his name? I mean, really, think about all of the guys that he's had from the time that he was um, – I'm trying to think of the quarterback who was at U of H. Um, Keenum. So, you got Keenum. You, you know, at U of H, and I know you can say what you want to about him in the league, but Keenum's, you know, he's been still a NFL quarterback. He's been a, you know, he's been a, you know, at least an average or a slightly above average quarterback, depending on where he's been. Um, you know, obviously, you can count Johnny Manziel as part of his college resume, but Johnny's got other issues, but he's actually not a bad quarterback when he has his, his mm-hmm. head on straight. Um, Mahomes. Yeah, Mahomes. Baker. Um, yeah, Baker. Michael Brewer, who left and who left Tech and went and started at Virginia Tech. Uh, I mean, Davis Webb. So, I mean, he, he, you know, in his system, he understands how, you know, how to make, you know, make quarterbacks, you know, perform in it and they play well. And, you know, the schemes that he runs, you know, offensively, I think it's not overly complicated. Like it's not like a gazillion plays or anything like that, but the way that he runs it, he always, you know, they're always, able to find, you know, the mismatch, you know, versus defenses, depending on what coverage they run and things mm-hmm. like that. So he's done a great job of doing it. I, you know, I'll, you know, being a head coach, I don't know, especially in the NFL, because it's different than in college. You know, I, yeah. I know he can focus more on just being, you know, he can do the administrative stuff. He wouldn't have to worry, you know, necessarily worry about recruiting, obviously, which is a big thing in college football. But it would, it would, it would allow him, you know, more time to focus on being an OC and calling the plays didn't have no worry about recruiting and yeah. doing all those other things. So there's an advantage to, you know, to doing that. So, you know, I, I think he's a legit candidate, you know, you, you know, and the Jets need offense. You got a good quarterback. You can run something similar to what he ran it at, at you know, what Donald ran at USC already, you know, and kind of implement, you know, implement that into the, you know, the NFL game, which is a little bit different. So I, you know, I think, you know, if, if he, you know, I wouldn't, I would actually be, I mean, I'd be happy for him for sure because he's a friend of mine. I'd be definitely really happy for him that he got it. If I'm speaking as a fan, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be pleased that that he'd be coming in. You got a lot of swag, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, which is, yeah, I mean, which is, you know, you go from, it'll be, you know, fresh start. Guys see something new. Mm -hmm. You don't get uniforms and, you know, everything's going to be, you know, new and heavy and whatever it is. And so, yeah, you know, and and he's pretty laid back. He's not like a crazy, you know, he, 
I mean, he coaches hard, but it's not to the point where, you know, it's a detriment, I don't think. You know, mm-hmm. but I think he keeps it light, you know, because he wants, you know, he wants guys to just be relaxed and have fun. You know, so he can perform. And don't think I'm like, I'm like putting, you know, his swag as, okay, I want him to have swag. But if you're winning in New York, you got Jamal Adams, you got new uniforms, you got a bunch of money, you got a new quarterback, you have Kingsbury and they're winning. That's, yeah, <laughs> that'd be pretty swag. exciting. Now yeah. with him, um, there is the worry because like I said, you know, he got fired. Um, like you said, it's, it, his offense was good. It was, just a, it was a defense for the most part. I think if you do bring in a guy, but you said 39 years old, I know he's young. Um, you need to, like I said, there's a worry. He's never been a head coach in the NFL, but uh, the, you need to have a veteran staff with him. Like, you know, how the Texans yeah, have right. Wade Phillips. You need like a Greg Williams maybe. And right. then like for offensive coordinator, like a guy like Mike McCoy, like something to, to kind of guide him into the, to the NFL, some good offensive coordinators from, from some veteran guys. You don't want a young staff around a young coach. That's, I don't like that. You need some older guys to guide him. Yeah, no, well, just, just follow the Sean McVay blueprint. Sean McVay would not have hired the, all the – the oldest dudes that you can Who think is, about. Uh, the D- is, did I mix up the DC? Is is Wade Phillips in uh, – no, he's he, in – um. He was with Sean McVay. That's what yeah, I'm saying. Say. Okay, that, yes, was, that, was, that was his first hire. Wade yeah. Phillips was Sean McVay's first hire. Head mm-hmm. coach, veteran, you know, veteran head coach, you know, at several places, successful head coach. Mm-hmm. You know, great defensive coordinator. Yeah, that was like his first hire. I'm like, I'm going to follow his blueprint. You know, why not? They need to do that, yeah. And yeah. – uh. He's and he's up on my list. Like I don't like I, I there's like there's a candidate I actually like better than Kingsbury. I like Kingsbury one because of like the young offensive mind, a um, little bit of the swag, a little bit of how the players are are backing him, um, and the air raid offense. Listen for like I, I wrote down some notes. Like I know it, but just to explain it better to you guys, it's like it's kind of like a West Coast. The passes are are much much shorter than like an air corral or any of these these uh, standard offenses. There's going to be a lot of more deep passing intermediate, uh, having heavy passing offense. It's like 60, 70 percent. Our, our passing plays but um a lot of those passing plays are like the screens you, you see that like replace the run game so you're gonna have a nunwa a in this system would be really really important because they run a lot of bubble screens smoke screens tunnel screens whatever you want to him um because that like i said that passing game replaces the run game um and in that air raid system um for the most i know all of them don't do it but i believe kingsbury does you can tell me if i'm wrong but they they have this he widen does he widen the splits of the of the offensive line yeah a little bit not as wide as he used to when he first got there he's closing down like a little bit but he keeps the splits you know okay. a little bit wide. yeah yeah and, and basically what that, what that does it one you have to have better offensive linemen because with stunts like that if you screw up when you have wider splits you're screwed so you need you need guys who can block for sure in the system yeah. But what that really does is you're you're just widening out the defense. So you um you have more one more lanes to throw the ball and two you're widening out the DNs and the outside linebackers. So it gives them a little bit more time. But the offensive line has to be better too with that. So that's yeah. a little bit of a worry. Right. Um up tempo, it's no huddle. Um it would put an emphasis on like I said, on guys like a Nunwa. Anderson wouldn't be as good of a fit in that system, but you could still make it work. A Golden Tate would be a really good fit for his system if they signed him for sure. Guy who can get yaks. So you're gonna need like you want like the Golden Tates, the the Anunwas, the Tyreek everybody wants Tyreek Hill, but you know what I'm saying? A little small fast guys who can, yeah. who can get yaked in this system. Yeah, I, I think so. I think the version the version of I guess you could call it the version of the air raid that you would probably see. Um that would well, this is my opinion. The version of the air raid that would work in the NFL would be more or less what Mike Leach is running at Washington State. Um what the what Leach is running at Washington State and what Cliff runs, I mean, they're the same, but there's like little things that like change it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Leach's version kind of fits the NFL game better, uh, just because of, of um, you know, some of the things that he does and some of the route concepts. You know, I think he's he's changed, you know, 
he's not necessarily changed, but he's kind of stayed true to, you know, what he, you know, what he does when they first invented the air raid. And I think, you know, some of the younger coaches like Cliff and Dana Hogerson and Eric Morris, uh, you know, they've, you know, kind of tweaked it a little bit, um, you know, made it a little bit more up-tempo and, and done some different things to it. I think Leach's version, you know, probably works a little bit better, you know, yeah. in, in, in the NFL than, 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 um, than the, the younger guys do. Yeah, yeah, and um, Leach is famous for that, that that four vertical play where you can either run the four verticals and you can keep on your vertical, but if you see any open grass on a, on a curl or a comeback or a stop, you hit it, and the, the, it. Yeah. the quarterbacks have to have a smart – they have to be smart, understand the defense, what they're playing and what the receivers are going to do, but that play, it works if you're smart, so that you're going to see some of that four vertical type stuff um, if he does implement that that Leach, um, you know, uh, air raid type system. Like I said, the offensive line, that, that's, what, that's what worries me. When you're wide in the splits, you're putting yourself on an island, and if you're not good, you're not going to get a lot of help. So that's that's the, the big concern. But um, I think it would fit Darnold because he's a good – he's a quick decision maker. He reads defense as well. Um, there's a little bit of RP, – there's RPO in it. Um, there'd be more RPO than the Jets ran this year for sure. Um, so you're going to use his legs a little bit. And the no-huddle, up-tempo type stuff uh, – not, you don't want to you don't want to be like Chip Kelly with that stuff, but running a little bit more. We both talked about it during the season that Donald was good in no huddle. He was better in yeah. no huddle, so that would that would help him. Um, right. And it's simple too. It's not like a crazy um, extreme type of offense. But so I, I would like that higher. I think I rated like my number two higher. Um, I, I put my number one, two, and three as of the guys I've talked to so far. Obviously, John Harbaugh. If they can get him, would be my number one. But I don't think that's going to happen. Nope. Um, moving on from him, uh, Mike McCarthy. I give that the thumbs down. Uh, Kingsbury gets a thumbs up. McCarthy, I don't like it. I don't know what you think, but I, I think he's – I get it. He's been in the Super Bowl and all that stuff, but I think he's underachieved with, with, uh, with Rodgers for the most part, with a Super Bowl. I mean, with probably one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Um, there's just times where I watch his offense. I think there's times where the running game is working well. He won't run the ball. There's times where he's not aggressive enough with Rodgers. Um, I just – I don't like it. You heard, you heard the things of the time management, that he's had problems with that. Um, overall, I'm just not a big fan of of what he's what he's done with the Packers and seeing him come from the Packers to a team like the Jets. I just I really don't see it. I think him and McCagnum also butt heads a little bit too because he's a guy that he's gonna want full control and all this stuff. And I just I, right. I don't really see it with him. Yeah, and that's actually the problem that I see with hiring McCarthy is is maybe he, he and McCagnum butt heads. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do agree. You have you know, and they've got you know, there's been a lot of talent. You know, and I know they dealt with injuries, particularly on the offensive line, which has been, like I said before, the weirdest thing ever. Um, the, that's the position they get hurt at most. But this, you know, the last couple of years, they've dealt with, you know, a ton of injuries. So I give them a little credit for that. But I still think with Aaron Rodgers and who they have, they could have done a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could have gone, you know, they probably should have at least been back to one or two more Super Bowls. I know or at least got deeper in the playoffs. That they're a yeah. Team or, yeah, or at least, yeah, get deeper in the playoffs. Yeah. I know yeah. they the NFC's tough, no doubt, but I think they should, you know, he could have gotten a little deeper in. So, yeah, he's he's come down – he's probably like third or fourth on my list, you know, maybe even fourth or fifth. Yeah, so, I, I – like he's, yeah, he's, he's probably like head. fifth or sixth on my list. Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of you know, he's kind of down on my list. I mean, he's got the coaching experience, obviously, and he's been to the Super Bowl. He does – you know, you got to give him credit for that, you know, for sure. Yeah. Um, but show me what you've done lately type of deal, yeah. you know? Right. So it so that's you know I, I I wouldn't consider him being in the top three right now. You know, now, like there are some reasons, like okay, yeah, you 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 take the coach who's been there before. That's that's good. Uh, you take that he's you know seen a lot of defenses. That's good. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a head coach for a while. That's good, like I said. Um, yeah, I think he probably helped Sam Darnold a little bit. But other than that, I just don't see the innovation. I don't see a lot of creativity where the, when the NFL is going. I think the NFL is kind of going past guys like McCarthy. I think the Jets would be a little bit stuck in the past, which I don't want to see. Um, so McCarthy is – I'm, I'm down on that one. Next one, who's come out as like probably like my number one or two with, with um, Kingsbury is – uh, guy who came out of nowhere, uh, Todd Munkin or Monken, however you want to say it, from the Bucks. I didn't even know the offense was this good, but uh, Bucks had the most yards in the NFL with Fitzpatrick and Winston as their quarterbacks. They ranked number two in yards per pl- per pass play, fourth in total yards per play, fifth in yards per drive. They were tenth in points per drive this year um, with what they're working with. I know you have guys like um, Evans, but other than Evans and maybe like Deshaun Jackson when he's healthy, no offensive line, no running game, not good quarterbacks, and to be that high up in the NFL um, in yardage and things like that, uh, I, I really like that. And I think it's his first time as an offensive coordinator too this year, so he's a young and up-and-coming guy as well. Um, now my concern is, like I said, he's young, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And with those stats, like, yeah, stats are always great too, but you can also consider, okay, well, maybe the Bucs, their defense is so bad, so people are playing soft zone coverage and things like that um, to just kind of limit them a little bit instead of trying to shut them down. Um, so maybe that's a reason for some of, some of those really good numbers, but I think the team with that kind of numbers is an offensive coordinator you want to talk to, especially when it's like a younger, more innovative guy. You hear that he's really aggressive. You're going to see a lot of shots vertically down the field. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth down, things like that. Right. So, I actually right. like uh, the 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 Munkin name thrown out there. That is how you pronounce it. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, but yeah, Ty Munkin. Yeah, no, I I, I actually like him too. Um, and like I, like you said, the stats are good. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think you know from you know things that he tries to do from the books games that I've watched. Like he is aggressive. He is an aggressive coach. Like he'll go forward and forward down. You know they're trying to score every play. There's no, you know, if if. If they can get to a hundred, he's trying to get to a hundred. Like, yeah. Sure. yeah, yeah. So no, so I definitely, you know, I definitely like that about him. Um, and he is young. I have a whole lot of coaching, you know, coaching experience, you know. But you know, and I know Sean Devay is kind of like the anomaly or whatever it is, but neither did he. So yeah, exactly. So uh, you know, and there's plenty of guys that you know you got to get your first shot at some point. That's why you so, need a veteran staff around him. That's what's yeah, really important. Yeah, all coaches, you know, most of the coaches that have been head coaches in the NFL started off, that was their first time, you know, so that's just kind of how it mm-hmm. works. So, so um, you know, get a veteran staff around him, help him out a little bit. Um, you know, I think he will be good at developing Darnold. Uh, definitely need to get a good D.C., you know, play some, you know, kind of change up, you know, what they're doing there. Uh, you know, I think it could work, you know, to tell you the truth. Yeah, especially like – and listen, when they when they go to these interviews, for the most part, what I understand, they're going to lay out a plan of the guys they want to hire. So it's not like, oh, we'll just hire me and hire rails around me. They have guys who they, they want to bring with them. So if he's saying, right. okay, well, I'm going to bring in this guy, this veteran guy, this veteran guy, and they have some credibility to their names, okay, well, you're bringing a veteran staff around you. We can hire you because they'll, they'll help you ease into it. Like you saw even like the first year at Bulls, they brought in Gailey, who's like right. 98 years old. That's going right. to happen. Yeah. Um, so that's important when, when they talk to him. But I think Munkin's my one and Kingsbury is my two right now. As, as that's out of guys I've talked to and have interest in and have meetings set up with. Like I said, Harbaugh's my number one. Um, John, Jim is a little bit farther down than, than John, but I don't think John's leaving anyway. Um, next guy on the list uh, is Chris Richard. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. this one. Um, I don't know what your thought is, your thought are, but or your thoughts are, but Cowboys passing game coordinator, defensive backs coach. He was the defensive backs coach in uh, in you know Seattle, the whole Legion of Boom emergence and all and all that stuff. So um, he's a guy who understands the offense. He also understands defensive backs, the secondary, and all these all these things. Um, but I 
I want an offensive guy. I know it's not like a, okay, they have to be offensive guys. I'm talking about John Harbaugh. Um, but he's just not, he's kind of like a, he'd be like a, eh, kind of higher for me. Yeah. I mean, I like Chris Richard. I mean, I definitely like what he's done in Dallas for sure. I think if, I think in that instance, and you know, if he were to get the head coaching job, obviously uh, defensively, you know, they would be good. And if he had the opportunity to bring in somebody like a Daryl Bevel, or if it would be the reverse of that, where Bevel's the, the head coach and Richard is the D.C., that would be a great pairing, um, you know, just, you know, in my opinion, because now you've got two guys that are good, all, you know. I know a lot of people got, are down on Bevel, though. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, he's been – I mean, he's been a, been a good O.C. I mean, you say what you want, you know, you know, and you can look at how they play and, and how they've, you know – you know, how they progress offensively wherever he's been. So uh, you would see something different than what you, you've been, you know, than what you've been seeing with the Jets for sure. You know, you'd see, you know, a lot of different things. So, you know, I think he, you know, I think they both be a good candidate, but I like Chris Richard. I mean, players love him. He's definitely, you know, considered to be, you know, a guy that's a leader. Um, I'm sure he's been, you know, picking Ryan Marinelli's brain, you know, along with going through what Jason Garrett has been going through in Dallas. So, you know, he's, you know, he's got a lot of examples, you know, I should say, in regards to how to be a head coach, the things that need to be, you know, need to be done to, to learn from. So, mm-hmm. you know, I actually like that hire. I mean, he's, he's, you know, he's actually in my top, you know, he's in my top three, you know, for sure. Really? So who, who is your, you have, uh, what, King, Kingsbury, Bevel, yeah, oh, not Bevel, yeah, uh, Richard. Richard. yeah. Monk and, Monk and the enemy are probably like 3A, 3B. Oh, okay, I like Monk a lot. I just like those numbers. Oh, I don't yeah. know. No, I'll probably put I'll probably I'll probably put Cliff probably second or third just because I probably like I probably like being me and Munkin better just because obviously both are already in mm-hmm. the NFL and yeah, yeah. Munkin's you know production in Tampa and then you know being me even though he, even though he doesn't call the plays all the time you know in Kansas City he does have a lot of influence and and I mean let's just be honest you know people can talk about Andy Reid as much as you want to guys that usually come from underneath them yeah decent head coaches. You know, so yeah, and and we were getting into the enemy next. Um, and he was a running backs coach for them for like six years. Uh, he was a running back in the NFL. Um, and he comes from that Andy retreat. And basically, from what I heard, is that Chiefs players like the offense that he runs and the influence that he has. They, they say it's more simple and he just allows you to play. Um, so that, that's a good thing. He's a player's coach, but I heard at the same time he's a player's coach, but I put it, you know, down that, and this is what I've heard that if you, if you screw up, he's just, he's going to shit on you and he'll get in your face and he'll, he'll yell at you. He's not going to not let you take any accountability. So like Tremaine Johnson misses a meeting. You're, you're done to him. Um, for the most part, from what I've heard, but at the same time, you could be boys with them if you just do your job. Uh, and right. like you said, with the Andy Reid tree, um, eight out of 11 of the, coaches who've come from the the tree have been to the playoffs three have gone to the super bowl and two coaches have won it who've come, right. who've come under andy reed and you see that offense uh yeah he's not calling all of the plays but he has a big influence on it and learning under andy reed uh is awesome so i really i, I like bianami a lot i would say he's my number two or three as well so i think you if, if you end up with with bianami munkin uh kingsbury i would really like that i can i'm kind of just okay on richard but i, I wouldn't be mad now, if you're talking about guys like McCarthy, I'm not going to be happy. And the last guy I want to – or second to last guy I want to talk about, Adam Gase. Listen, man, I don't – he 
there's been a whole bunch of things like, oh, yeah, he's going to get a job really quickly, and there's a bunch of media guys. And I know media guys, if they get leaks from coaches or players, they'll back you because they want that information. Right. Last three years, his, his offense in 2016 was 24th. His offense in 2017 was 25th. His 2018 offense was 31st. And 2018, this last year, with they have an okay roster on offense. They were 31st in the NFL in third down uh, conversion rate. Uh, only second or, or only uh, second last to the freaking Cardinals, who are worse because they have no offensive line and a rookie quarterback. So you haven't put up any offensive numbers. Everybody, everybody, all the players said they hate you. You, you've, you got, you ran guys that like Jarvis Landry out of there. Your best player on offense. Um, apparently, he's just a dick. Um, and. There's a guy coming out like uh, Jason McIntyre, I think his name is, from like ESPN. He's like, oh, well, Adam Gase has interviews uh, set up with all these teams, and he's going to be able to choose between Baker Mayfield, Darnold, and uh, Aaron Rodgers. Like, like he can freaking choose. Like, he's that good of a coach where he's able to just go to any team and just say, okay, I'm coaching here. Okay, yeah, cool, come in. Like, he's not that good of a coach. So, he's a dick, and he's, like, playing the media like this. I don't I, – I, I would hate Gase. He'd be, he's my last guy I want. Yeah, I don't – yeah, I don't know about that hard, particularly if you're – if was true what came out that because I think the one that the article that I saw was that um there were several players like starters that came in and said that that if he was coming back you know if he wasn't fired that they actually mm-hmm. be traded like that's not a good sign like when you got guys coming out yeah that, that says a lot in itself even if it even if it isn't true the fact that something like that leaked out means that there's a little bit of it you know that's that's kind of true um, well, Jarvis Landry came out said he hated him after he left. So yeah, so that's you know, and when you're coming in to a new team, you know, you know, like like the Jets, with you've gone through what you've gone through already, you know, you've been losing, you know, you're kind of going to be stuck kind of in the same place where you are. So you truth is, there's not going to be any real progression, you know, with somebody coming in, you know, coming in that has that, you know, that stigma kind of attached to him. You know, it just doesn't make for, you know, it doesn't make for a good hire, and it, it doesn't excite you know, the fans, you know, want to come out and, and, and see the next season, you know, tell like you the sloppy truth. seconds in the division. Right. So, so yeah, I, I actually hadn't even considered him, you know, as one of the, you know, one of my top prospects. They're interviewing him tomorrow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, I, I just didn't, you know, just personally, I didn't know. I don't think he mm-hmm. fits, you know, you know, yeah. what, what, you know, fits New York, fits the Jets organization. Like I said, the last three years would be 24th, 25th, and 31st in total offense. Um, and to be walking around with your, your chest puffed out and be texting guys like Jason Mintry and leaking out. Obviously, it's like his agent like saying, okay, well, you know, say, say that he's picking between his teams because other teams will want us like that. But, like, he's walking around with like chef, his chest puffed out when the last three years, like I said, you've been in bottom 10 of offense in the league. You're supposed to be this offensive guru. And, and Tannehill's not a good quarterback. I think he's all right. And he regressed under Gase. So, like, I, I don't get the, the uh, infatuation with him and why guys want him so badly, especially when you are a dick. You're going to walk in like you've been a top 10 guy. Um, I, I could not want anything less than I want Gase. Just please just don't even interview him. Just, just close the door on him, send him back to wherever, uh, let him go to freaking Packers or the Browns. That, that would be my least favorite hire by far. Yeah. Um, the last one, well, I just saw today, so I didn't do any really re- real research. I knew him, uh, Baylor's head coach, Matt Rule. I know he's coming from different, couple of different other programs, and Baylor was only what seven and eight this year, or eight and seven, whatever they were, or seven, seven and six. But they were—he's apparently a guy who is an—he's an—he's an innovative offensive mind, and any program he goes to, he quickly turns around. Where Baylor was in dismay, like they were or disarray. They were just—they were—they were 
bunch of legal sanctions and they lost a lot of players and they were crap last year. He kind of turned them around to just like average this year. So he has a reputation of being a young guy, a young offensive mind who I don't think he's actually really that young, but a newer offensive guy um, who kind of brings success to, to wherever he goes. So I don't really know if you know too much about rule. Yeah. I mean, what I'm, I mean, he was actually, I think he's the assistant O-line coach with the Giants back in the day. Um, before he got to Temple, if that, I think, yeah, before he got to Temple, mm-hmm. yes. So he's worked in the NFL, you know, for a few years as, as an assistant, you know, in some magnitude. Um, uh, offensively, he is sharp. I will say that. He, he is a really sharp cat, you know, in regards to innovation, um, you know, and, uh, you know, being offensive-minded. And also he, you know, when people look at, you know, if you look at like his records, you know, where he's been, like at Temple, I think he was on like 29 and 23 or something yeah. like that. But like you said, you know, he came in, he turned the program around and, you know, he got them back to winning, you know, kind of, you know, and got them, you know, got them where they are now. Same thing with Baylor, you know, even though Baylor wasn't dealing with, you know, dealing with losing because they were winning like crazy under our brows. Um, but with all the legal stuff that came in, guys mm-hmm. leaving, uh, you know, having to deal with all of those things, you know, he came in and he's kind of like built their program back up now where people are excited about Baylor and they're doing things the right way now. And, and, you know, he did, he did a hell of a job when he first came in and, you know, he hired a lot of Texas coaches to, you know, kind of help with the process of recruiting Texas because he knows nothing about Texas. He was not from here. He didn't have any real connections here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he has a great understanding of how to build a, you know, a program and how to make it successful. The thing my asterisk to that would be, okay, yes, he could come in and he could turn the program around, but is it going to be sustainable, you know, for the long term? Is it going to be yeah. – are you going to be going to the playoffs every year? Is it going to be a chance that you win the FC East? Uh, you're going to have a chance to, you know, be an actual contender, you know, not only just going to the playoffs but going to the Super Bowl because at the end of the day that's what these owners want. So you can have the quick turnaround and you can get to win and doing those things but you know, once you do that, at some point, they're going to want to see more. So now, okay, well, you turn this around and we're winning, but okay, we need to go to the playoffs now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then it's just, it just gets higher and higher. And, you know, that's part of being the head coach. So that would be the only thing that I would worry about. Like the quick turnaround, like that he's innovative, you know, like that he can build programs, but can he do it long term just because, you know, he hasn't been, you know, in more than one place, you know, for a long tenure of time necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, as a head coach. You know, I think in NFL that matters. Yeah, no, it, it does. Um, so that's our that's our recap. Unless you want to throw in anybody else out there that you've heard of or you think would get a job. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll, once the once they get hired, I'll watch them film. We'll talk about their offense and what they do and the concepts they use and what they're you know trying to do and all that stuff. The run game. Um, but for me, like I said, I'm I'm really I'll be really happy with Kingsbury with Bienemy. Um, with Munkin, I'm kind of just I'll, I'll be okay with Richard or with Rule, and then if they hire Gase or McCarthy, I'll be pissed. I, especially yeah. Gase, I I just cannot I, already. I, I I hate the guy. Um, McCarthy, it's like McCarthy. I'll be pretty disappointed. I would not be pissed. Pissed. I'd be pretty disappointed because I think like they would be like an average type team with McCarthy. I don't think they're really gonna go that far. But Gase, man, just yeah, go away, please. I don't know if you have anybody to add or anything to add to that. No, nah, that's it, man. That's it. I know you like Richard a little bit more than me, but. We'll see. Hopefully, you're right. Hopefully, if well, he- I just—I mean, only reason, and probably because I see him more. I mm-hmm. just know a little bit more about him, and I see him more. You know, being down here, you know, I see a lot more games and see what Dallas is doing, and yeah, sure. And, um, you know, yeah. So that's you know that's the only reason why I probably know him a little bit better, and or you mm-hmm. know, I'm more favorable than than probably you are. 
Well, and listen, like it's just it, it's more because like I think it's just the defensive guy. I don't want a defensive guy. The Jets have gone defense since Parcells. Right. Um, and I want that young inf- offensive mind. I want that McVeigh. I want that Andy Reid offense, even though he's not young, uh, that Nagy. I want those young guys who do different things that are kind of going to keep up with the NFL. But at the same time, if this guy builds defense to not, – I'm not going to say what the Legion of Boom was because it's one of the top five to ten defenses probably of all time when they were in their th- th- those couple of years – um, but he, like he wouldn't, he, he would be perfect for Marcus May and Jamal Adams and all these guys. So I can't hate it. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, um, but moving on, let's go to the pickums and we'll wrap up the show because it's been decent, decently long. Uh, hopefully by next week, if we do have a show next week, which I think we will, because the Jets will probably hire a coach by that point in time. It usually takes a week or two. Um, so we should be back, but if not, we'll be back in two weeks. But we're always going to do the pickums because it's uh, the heat is on. Uh, last week I went two and four. You went three and three. You brought my record to sixty-one, sixty-four and one, and yours to sixty-two, forty-five and one. Um, we both picked the Patriots. The Patriots obviously won thirty-eight to three. We both picked the Falcons, who I was hoping the Bucks could beat them for freaking playoff position or, or for the draft position. But of course, the Bucks lost the last second, and the Giants lost the last second. The Jets, if they if the Bucks won, the Giants won. They only need one more game to to or one more team to win out of the next the three o'clock or the. Uh, Sorry, three of the four o'clock games they needed to win. Uh, one of those teams to win. I don't know if I that was terrible wording, but you get it. Um, but the Bucks <laughs> lost. Uh, you know, at their home stadium, thirty-four to, to thirty-two. We both picked the Falcons. Uh, we both picked the Bills, who blew out the Dolphins and Adam Gase, uh, forty-two to seventeen in Buffalo. Uh, I picked the Bears. You picked the Vikings. The Bears won 24 to 10. The Vikings not making the playoffs is one of the biggest disappointments. And I'm so freaking happy because, and I get it, you go to home, like you go to different stadiums, and you're excited. But having going to that Vikings game and having the Vikings fans walk out and doing their, their whole skull thing while, while walking out of the building, it, it drove me crazy. And they're talking, you know, shit to everybody. So they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to be so good. We're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll see you guys in the playoffs. And they missed the playoffs. So awesome to all you cocky Vikings fans. Um, go skull. You know, I kind of do like the Vikings, but the, the fans piss me off. Um, but uh, next game, we both picked the Ravens, who beat the Browns 26 to 24. And then the last game, we both picked the Colts, who beat the Titans in Tennessee 33-17. to I went 6-0 for the first time this year, undefeated. Or not, yeah, undefeated that week. Uh, you went 5-1. and So now, going into the playoffs, we are both knotted up at 67-46-1. and I don't think you write it up any better than that. Um, mm-hmm. So the playoffs are going to determine it. Uh, and we have some good games this this week. Unfortunately, freaking Saturday, I have to work at night, so I'm going to have to watch the Seahawks and Cowboys game as best I can. But uh, first game of the playoffs, the, the wild card round, obviously, the, the Chiefs and the Patriots and all these teams, the, the Saints and the Rams are sitting out for a week. Um, but the first game, 435, the 10-6 Colts at the 11-5 Titans. This might be my favorite game of this of this uh, you know first weekend of playoff games. Yeah, man. It's, I mean, it's definitely a good game. Um... I'm going to go with Houston. I'm going to go with the home team. Um, I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to take the Texans too, but I might be coming back to this depending on the rest of our picks. Um, because they, since, since we're down here, since week six, both teams are nine and two, which is tied for the best record in the NFL since week six. Um, so they've both been really, really impressive. Andrew Luck's been on fire. The Texans, Watson's been playing well. The defense has been playing well. So that's going to be a really, really good game to watch. Uh, the night game at, on Saturday, the 10-6 and 6 Seahawks at the 10-6 and 6 Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to take Dallas. 
if this game was in Seattle, obviously it'd be switched. But I'm gonna take. I mean, Seattle's playing decent, but I'm gonna take Dallas in this one. I'm, I'm taking the Cowboys too. I, it, now, if this was in Seattle, I'm, I'm taking this. This this one of those games like whoever the home team is because Seattle's just not the same team on the road. Right. Um, the next game be twelve and four Chargers. This is Sunday at one o'clock. The twelve and four Chargers at the ten and six Ravens. Man, I know the first game was tight, and it's just hard for me to go against the Ravens' defense right now. They're playing really good on defense. Lamar Jackson is playing outstanding, and you're going Ravens. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm leaning. I'm gonna have to come back to that one. All right, I'm going right Chargers. Now, I'm gonna go Chargers right, if you're going yeah, Ravens there. Right now, I'm leaning. That's where I'm leaning. But yeah, I'll come if, back to that. If you come back, because I know we're gonna pick the same for the next game. If you come back to that and change it to the Ravens. I mean, to the Chargers, I'm most likely going to take the Colts, but because uh, I want to have at least one game different here. But we'll see. Yeah, no. you, you let me know. So uh, I'll take the Chargers there. The next game, uh, Sunday at 4:40, the nine and seven Eagles at the 12 and four Bears. I'm taking the Bears. Yeah, I'm taking the Bears too. That's 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 a pretty easy one. I'm not honestly, it's not easy though because, dude, like what what happens to the Eagles if Wentz goes out mid or not mid season, whatever, a little bit later in mid season, Foles wins them a couple of games, gets them into the playoffs. Um and then he goes back and he goes either deep into the playoffs or wins another Super Bowl. Like, what do they do with Wentz compared to Foles? Like, I don't, I, I, I no, can't even imagine. No, nothing. Nothing. Same thing. That's crazy. Can you imagine winning two Super Bowls, coming back, you know, getting to the playoffs, fighting to get in the playoffs, well, win well, all those games? And... Well, Nick, Nick Arbos retired this past year. Yeah, it's crazy. So, I just Nick, Nick might just shut it down. And be like, all right, I'm done. Two Super Bowls, go out on two Super Bowls in a row, but that's not gonna happen. The Bears are gonna win. So to recap. Um, both take the Texans. We're both taking the Cowboys. Ooh, two Texas teams. I don't see that happen. I can't see two Texas teams winning. Um, but we might change that. Um, Marcus is taking the Ra- the Ravens at home. I'm taking the Chargers on the road. Uh, and we're both taking the Bears. Uh, that might change, but we'll let you know next week. Uh, Marcus, any closing thoughts? We- decently long show, but we had a lot of coaching candidates to talk yeah, about. No. So. Yeah, no. Yeah, I'm see. Yeah, interested to see who gets hired where and mm-hmm. looking forward to the playoffs for sure. It's going to be a good weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody enjoy the playoffs. Be safe. Uh, hopefully the Jets don't hire Gase or McCarthy, and then pretty much we'll be happy for the most part. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that, the coach and their offense and all the other stuff. We'll do some deeper research into it. Um, so we will see you next week. We appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, leave one of those reviews, please. Thank you.